This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. And welcome back to the Clear Jets podcast where it's Ben Blessington and Michael Nania. Uh, what an what a experience we had on Sunday. And and. Last podcast, obviously, we, we it was pretty funny, and we I feel like we handled it well, but we didn't really get a chance to fully break it down. So, yes, this podcast will be previewing the Packers game, but we're going to spend at least the first half of it focusing on the Dolphins game. So if you just want to hear Packers stuff, just, I don't know, go probably halfway through the podcast. We'll, we'll pivot. Um, but, Michael, it's Thursday night. You've had a few days to digest the, the Dolphins game. You've watched the All-22 uh, what are your, what are your initial thoughts? I mean, I, I have a lot myself cause I didn't get to say anything after the game really outside of a few, few things I was able to squeeze out. Um, but a few days to, to, to let things digest. How, how are you feeling about, uh, the Jets win on Sunday? No. Oh, yeah. I mean, first of all, I'm glad to have your voice back because as much as I liked you know, kind of being the fill in host last week, kind of showing my versatility, like AVT, uh, I think I like having you in that role kind of bouncing off of you and you know you, you had some good comments in your batman voice but uh, but we need your analysis we should, i should have thrown in more batman true references opinion. more batman references would have yeah. been good but right, at well, the same time huge game we need you in full form and i think we got you back uh, that's the second time that happened like i've lost my voice that badly so assuming i keep going to the jets games um if if it happens again michael the the batman may have to come back out but i'll I'll plan to not lose my voice like that we did get we got a lot of messages on this last podcast overwhelmingly positive but yes i i will try to protect the podcast voice but dude totally worth it though sunday was a magical experience i've never seen the jets win a regular season game in person i went to the the giants preseason game this year so i guess i kind of got a a legendary chris strevler performance but uh the the regular season games i've been to I went to the Jets Seahawks game in 2012. They got blown out then. I went to the Jets Patriots game in 2016. It was kind of a good game. The Jets lost. I went to the seeing ghosts game. It was horrific. I had to drive back up to Syracuse like four hours in the middle of the night. Worst Jets experience of my life. I went to Zach's debut last year, Jack's home debut last year, which was like seeing ghosts part two. Um, so I've seen a lot. And then, and then this year I've been to the Ravens Bengals and now the, this Dolphins game. So I've seen mostly L's, a lot of ugly L's and, I'll tell you this, Michael. I know you said on the podcast it was the loudest you've heard MetLife. It was the best experience you've had. But I'll always remember Sunday. Regardless how the season turns out, like Sunday was like a, a picture-perfect day uh, for the two of us. And I'm just so glad we got to we got to share that. And all the Jets fans watching at home, I mean, like how many times can you just – I know we couldn't really relax for most of the game. But once Quinn got that fumble, like um, a meaningful Jets dub, you get to relax in the fourth quarter and just enjoy this fun young team. I mean, MetLife was a party. The Brees chants were going crazy. 
Uh, I don't know, man. That was that was pretty electric. And, and it goes to show, though, that if the Jets continue to win and get better and, and inspire this fan base, MetLife is, is a pretty fun place to, to go. I know it gets a lot of shit. Getting out there is not not great, but it, it was electric on Sunday. Shout out to all the fans that, that, that made it out to the game. Yeah, no, I mean, like you said, getting out there, getting out of there is, is kind of tough. I mean, standing on that train coming back from the game into the city is not the most pleasant experience. But when you put a 40 burger on the Dolphins, I will do a headstand on the train. I don't even care. <laughs> the, the, the last train experience I had was the the Zach debut. Right. And it was I couldn't talk. It was like the Batman pod. I, like the exact. I couldn't say anything except if I talked like Batman or I whispered and I was sitting there. And it was, and I'd lost my voice before the game. So that sucked. And we're sitting there and it was all Pats fans in the car, in the train car. And they had a, 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 like a speaker and they were blasting sweet Caroline and just singing at the top of their lungs. They were like like vaping and doing shots. And it was just how how fitting is it that, and and we have a video of it that at the end of this game, they played sweet Caroline. Oh, it was Um, beautiful. Pretty awesome. I know it was poetic for you. It was the first time that we got to, Speaking of getting out of MetLife, it was the first time that I've ever had that. I've heard people complain about like the the zigzag exit and how long it takes to get out. I, most of the times, I feel like it's been pretty easy, but I guess that's just because most of the Jets fans have left by then. Uh, and the other times that, that I've gone to Jets games, it, it took a while to get out, and but it was the first time where it was uh, all Jets chance. Like it was just J E T S Jets 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 after another like the, the Bengals game I went to it was just having to deal with like the hooda hoot I don't even know how their stupid chat goes but oh all the Jets chants with dol- salty Dolphins fans they're still salty I'm still getting responses to my uh, my Quinn and Williams tweet when when Quinn and, like yelled at us after the game or more accurately we yelled at him and he he responded um, but the Dolphins fans are still salty and and Mike I guess that's a good place to to jump off let's let's dive back into the Dolphins game real quick. Now that we've, you know, I can actually talk and you've, we've both watched the all 22, a lot of thoughts on this one. We'll pivot to the Packers in a minute, but let's just talk about Sunday. Cause that was magical. Uh, Dolphins fans still pretty salty, but I don't mean to say anything after checking out the all 22 and it's a bit of a straw man argument. I, I know if two attack, if Tua played the game would have looked a little different. If Teddy played the game probably would have looked a little different, but I don't think the Dol- I don't think there's anything in that all 22 that says definitively that the Dolphins should have, it wasn't like Tyree kill was wide open on play after play. And Skylar Thompson couldn't hit him. This jets team came to play. Like I, that's Tua on the first play of the game. He's getting torpedoed by sauce Gardner. Like, and then Braxton Berrios running back the, and I know it was like, it was a, the safety, the the punt return he had. Like, he came and ran it back 40 yards. The Jets dropped 40 points in that defense. Like, all these Dolphins fans that are trying to act like, oh, well, if we had two, the game would have looked way different. The Jets are, t-. it's like, yeah, okay. I, I, I guess the game would have been different, but the Jets played three games with Joe Flacco. The Jets have played God knows how many games with, with, you know, 50 guys in the injury report. They're on their, their right guards playing right tackle after playing left tackle the week before and, and left guard the year before. I mean, it's like the whole arguments that I've seen on Twitter from Dolphins fans, it's just, it's nice. You know what? It's, it's nice. It makes me feel good when I get to see all these salty Dolphins fans that just talk shit for so long this entire summer. And in, in the words of Robert Sala, we haven't done anything yet. The Jets have not accomplished anything yet. They've won three games. It's a long season. The Dolphins are still a very good team. The, that game will look a lot different week 18 and the Dolphins still may make the playoffs, but on Sunday, the jets were the better team. And I don't think that the quarterback, honestly, Michael, I don't think it made all that much of a difference. Do you agree with that? No, I think I do agree after watching it back. I mean, you know, but like, I think one thing a lot of Dolphins fans were saying before this game is because we, you know, we already knew that Bridgewater would be starting. 
I think they were all kind of, you know, bragging a little bit that their team was built to win regardless of the quarterback. Yeah. I saw that from plenty of people. Tyreek said he could put up points with anybody. He yeah, played- it, was a, it was a complete game. I mean, you know, the Dolphins ran the ball pretty well, you know, for a couple of drives there. But other than that, I mean, even though the Jets didn't pull away until later, it, you know, the offensive line was really good. It was overpowering Miami's D line. Uh, the receivers were getting open. And then, you know, looking at the Jets' defense against Miami's receivers, I mean, Skylar Thompson wasn't amazing, but I don't think he was terrible. Any plays <laughs> wasn't worse than Luke Falk. I mean, the play he made on one of those early drives where he, uh, I think it was third down, and he made that, he stepped up, escaped the sack, and threw it to Waddle. That was a nice play. And, you know, he put some balls out there to get penalties and stuff like that. But the coverage was good by the Jets' uh, corners against Hill and Waddle. There weren't really plays a lot of plays to be made that I think would have been made by the better quarterbacks. And, you know, granted, I think it would be different. You know, you call the game different, you know, maybe they make some more plays that he didn't a a few more, but at the end of the day, this was a 23 point win. And does Teddy make them 23 points better? Does Tua make them 23 points better? I don't think so. Maybe you can give them another touchdown or two, but the jets ended up pulling away. And I think the final score is indicative of, how most of this game went, even though, again, even though it was close for a while, it did feel like the Jets kind of were in control, but they just weren't quite capitalizing. Is, is um, it is it that close without those pass interference calls? Like, those were the, the right. Dolphins' best offensive plays right. of the day. <laughs> All three of them. Uh, so, yeah, I think this was a very complete team game. And regardless of who was playing quarterback, I mean, the Jets have their own issues. You know, they got their right guard playing tackle. They got a guy to torn rotator cuff playing tackle. They got their backup guard. So the Jets have plenty of their own issues. So I think it all, I wouldn't say bounces out, but like, let's not act like, you know, the Jets got a free win here or anything. Well, the thing, there's two things that really stood out to me in this one. Number one, I think finally the Jets had a wire to wire win where they, they played all four quarters. And yeah, I know they had their little lulls in, in the game and the, the fourth and one play and heading into the fourth quarter. I know, I know I was a little nervous that the Dolphins may, uh, may steal this one, but it was evident that at the very least that the Jets and Dolphins are not far apart. People have been acting in that and the larger NFL media, like the Dolphins are up here and the Jets, you know, they're still down. It's like, no, they're in the same level in my opinion. Uh, and secondly, yes, the, the Dolphins have injuries and whatnot, but the, the thing I'm most impressed with, I think this was the best game we've seen from the Robert Sala coaching staff because the coaches won, obviously the players and the execution won this game, but the Jets schemed up uh, Michael Floor schemed up plenty of big plays. That Brees Hall play was Michael Floor. I mean, you look at that pre-snap motion with the tight end and confusing Miami's man coverage look. I mean, defenses, Michael and I were looking in, in preparation for the Packers, you know, looking at like, okay, what, what coverages have, have the Jets faced? And they faced a lot of man. But in the last two weeks with Zach Wilson, teams are playing man 50% of the time, which is an insanely high rate. So teams are saying, okay, Zach Wilson – Beat man coverage to the point where on that Brees Hall play, and I think it was, it might have been Robbie Sabo's film review, but he was pointed out they're pressing their corners and they're single high, like the most disrespectful coverage you could give. And then the floor gets them with a little pre snap motion and gets those linebackers in, in a blender. And that was a touchdown from a second into the play, or not a touchdown. That was a big gain from, from a second into the play immediately, you knew. And Michael, you raised a really good point to me. And, and if you want to touch on anything, there's a lot of other things that the coaches did well I want to go back to. But you raised a really great point to me about Zach Wilson. And that Brees Hall play, very, very, very similar to the 
if you guys remember Zach Wilson's home debut, he had that little wheel route to Elijah Moore. And it was, a, yeah, I think he completed for what, like 20 yards or something, but it should have been a TD. Like I remember seeing that in person, be like, oh my God, he's wide open. And Zach sails it out of bounds. So just because a guy is open doesn't mean that Zach is, uh, or any other quarterback, that's, that's an automatic uh, big game. Zach Wilson put that on a rope right into Brees Hall's hands. And I think you saw the ball placement from Zach uh, has been a lot better this season. Um, he, had, he had a few negative plays, but overall, Michael, I mean, going back and watching the film, he had what? three bad plays in this game and bad meaning you know not catastrophic like he uh i think he was under through elijah moore in an out route in the first quarter he was late on a on a, a play that could have been a touchdown to elijah moore in that third down where he threw it out of the end zone but still he threw it out of the end zone and didn't throw an interception um and then he had the fourth and one play where you'd hope he would just hit um tyler conklin who's wide open but instead he tries to the one-on-one and tries to draw pi and hell it probably was pi but outside of that michael i thought this was Zach Wilson's most complete game as a starter, even if he's getting uh, labeled as a game manager, we'll, we'll take it. Yeah, no, this was for me, one of, one of his best games for sure. And it, it comes down to the consistency. That was the most impressive part of it. I, I think when you watch it back and you just go play by play, you know, he was executing the vast majority of the time. He, this is the most consistent game I've seen him play. And I put up my, my article breaking down my grade for him in this game on Jets X factor, but in terms of the consistency, you know, the ratio of how many good plays I think he had to, you know, quote unquote, bad plays, it was by far the best that I've seen from him. And even the bad plays weren't bad. Like there were no plays where he risked the turnover. There were no extremely bad accuracy throws. You know, he missed low to Elijah Moore on that one throw. A couple other throws he completed weren't perfect, but they were good enough. Um, Other than that, it wasn't like he missed any throws really badly. Uh, and then in terms of reading the field, I didn't see a single play where it's like, or other than the only play, actually there were two. Um, the fourth down play to Con- uh, to Davis, Conklin was open. Uh, and then there was one play where I, Elijah Moore was open in the back of the end zone. Maybe he could have made that throw, but the pressure was coming. He plays it safe, throws it away. You know, these are mistakes that are, uh, the fourth down one was pretty big, but Elijah Moore not that big. Other than that, though, he was hitting the right the right player every single time. And most of the time it was, very quick, very decisive. Um, I loved how he checked the ball down in this game. There were multiple plays where, you know, he would just read the linebacker dropping into the middle of the field. He knows that's going to get in the way of you know, the post or the slant from the slot receiver. And he's like, all right, that's not going to be there. The check down's my best option. Immediately goes to it. And there were a ton of plays like that where he just gets the ball to Carter, gets the ball to Brees Hall, and takes the yards that are there, trusts his guy to make a play. Um, so the consistency in this game was tremendous from him and I think that's that's the best part you know wasn't the most explosive game they only needed him to throw 21 passes and when he did throw it typically wasn't deep but that's what the game plan called for and he executed at a, a very very good clip and if he continues to be as efficient and consistent as he was in this game the, the Jets are going to win a lot of games this this was Bucks game Zach I think it was very similar to that game but just with better support because in that game right you know not not great receivers they weren't separating that much maybe tighter window throws a little more pressure in this game cleaner pockets more separation you know you create plays like the Brees hall play so you get better results you get a 40 point game you get 10 yards per attempt which is his career high and a, a very good number so uh he's he very efficient in this game he just capitalized on 
what was opened up for him at a great rate, made reads, he was quick and decisive. Uh, and another thing, he really trusts his receivers. I think that's something that I'm seeing because the anticipatory throws he's making, it, it's very impressive. You know, he had the one to Elijah Moore, that comeback in the Steelers game. And then in this game, that fourth quarter throw to Corey Davis was fantastic opposite hash throws the out before davis breaks and yeah that, that was it over the linebacker that was a pretty that's one of his throw one of his best throws one of his throw. signature throws and i think so you know, to make throws like that you really got to trust your receivers because you're starting to pull that trigger before the guy even throws his break step let yeah. alone looks back to the ball so you got to trust he's going to be there before you actually see that and with Corey davis with elijah moore uh, even Garrett Wilson, there was one rep on a, on a pivot route out of the slot where Wilson just looked to him immediately, trust that Wilson was going to win, got him the ball. Uh, so he really trusts these receivers, and it's allowing him to make these anticipatory throws. So all around, this is – I think it's right on par with the Bucks game. You could toss up between those two, I think, for me, as in the conversation as his best game so far. Right. Yeah, that throw he made to Corey is one of those that, that doesn't look, like, insane or anything. Like, obviously, he has the – the, the deep ball to Corey Davis against the Titans. And he's had a, a number of other maybe flashier throws, but that out route to Corey, not only is that a very difficult throw that a lot of good NFL quarterbacks can't make that throw to the sideline with that type of anticipation, uh, but to float it over that, that second level of the defense, but under the safety, I mean, it was, uh, it really did kickstart the, the, the Jets fourth quarter because up until that point, the Jets offense had kind of stalled a little bit. You'd had the fourth down, uh, conversion that the Jets didn't get. They'd had kind of a third quarter that they, they didn't really get things going. But I think you definitely saw Zach uh, continue that momentum he got from, from the fourth quarter of the Steelers game, which was a continuation of what we saw in training camp. Like, if you remember before he got injured, Zach had had two, three weeks of, of really consistent, solid practices, which maybe sounds like a low bar, but it really isn't for a young quarterback. It was his rookie year and early on in training camp you'd see like, okay, maybe you'd have one good day and then a bad day and then a mediocre day and then a bad day and then a great day. And then, a but he got to the point of training camp where he was consistent and that's what you want to see from Zach. And that's why I love the discourse about Zach this week of being like, Oh, he's just a game manager. He's just managing the game. He can't do that if they want to win. It's like, do we not remember what we were saying about Zach 14 days ago, which was, well, he's just got to take the easy stuff. Like in the context of who Zach Wilson is as, as a, as a player, Seeing him be a game manager is a great thing because you already know that he has the Mahomesian traits to, to improvise and the arm angles and the arm strength and he can throw off any platform. And like we've seen him make crazy throws. We haven't seen him manage a game. And we saw that. So, yeah, for a different quarterback is him going 14 to 21 or whatever. Like it would still be a good game. I think whoever has this type of game, especially in a win, you'd be happy with. But considering it's Zach and considering we haven't seen him manage a game and do the easy stuff, because let's be honest, you can't do all the fantastic, the, the wow throws and the flashy throws that Mahomes does, unless you can do the simple stuff. That's what people don't realize about Mahomes. And Saul has even said this himself. Mahomes can do all the crazy shit he does because he can do this shit. He can do the simple stuff. And we've seen Zach do some of the crazy shit, but we haven't seen him consistently manage the offense. And like you said, take the check downs, read the defense, not be confused. You can say what you want about the Dolphins defense, but it, it is a defense predicated on confusing young quarterbacks. It's slightly different, but it's the same defense coordinator, but Sam Darnold couldn't figure it out. Zach Wilson last year, I thought he had, you know, an okay, uh, an okay game against the Dolphins last year, but certainly they, they got him a few times. They confused him. They forced those turnover worthy plays. 
And this time you saw Zach rise above it. He looked like a veteran quarterback. And so I was, I was ecstatic with the performance we saw from Zach. And if we have him manage the game like this behind a, a strong running back, uh, you know, we were going to talk about in a second, that's winning football right there. Like the yeah, Jets were passing yeah. how many times the first few weeks of the season? And it, it, that's not the identity of this offense, you know? Like they haven't been able to run the ball efficiently since Rex was here. And you saw it with Sanchez in 2009, 2010. Yeah, he managed the game, and they went to back-to-back AFC championships. And Mark Sanchez isn't the quarterback that Zach Wilson is. And this team is hasn't proven to be the, the level of, of the Rex teams yet. So I don't want to get ahead of myself. I, we should live up to the name of this podcast. If we're going to be, you know, optimists when uh, things don't look too great, we have to keep, keep it measured when things are looking great. But that's winning football, baby. Like, I don't, I, don't, I love that. I love that now he's getting criticized for, for managing the game 10 days after, or sorry, uh, you know, the Pittsburgh comeback in the fourth quarter. And then he manages this against a team that nobody had the Jets winning. Everybody, even with the backup quarterback, picked the Dolphins. And he managed the game and they won. And he's still getting criticized. So he's not winning over any supporters this year. I'm, I'm ecstatic with how he played. No, I agree. And I, like, I'll take Zach Wilson's 21 passes and 40 points over Flacco's. 59 passes and nine points any yeah. day of the week. I mean, because, you know, the, just the balance is great. And I think that's what they are trying to strike with this offense. And, and, you know, 21 is a very low number. I think most of the time he'll be a decent bit over that, but 210 yards and 21 passes is very efficient. And obviously a lot of that was from the breeze hall pass, but regardless, you know, he had a great rushing touchdown, which I don't think that touchdown gets enough credit because there was nothing open on, on that play. And his scramble was, you know, he gives like a subtle little shake to the left to get the nose tackle out of the way to open up that lane. Then I don't know how many quarterbacks would have the speed and the athleticism to finish that off. Probably maybe five to eight starting quarterbacks. Yeah. And right you now. want to question his durability? Check the, the hit he takes on that. Yeah, play. just the toughness and just takes the headshot and just gets right up and keeps playing. So, I mean, I mean, I think that is the big point here with Zach Wilson because is overall, is he playing like a quote-unquote game manager in this game i guess so in the sense that you know low passing volume not a lot of explosive downfield passing i think those are the things you think of with the game manager but he's still make doing the explosive stuff and you know the sexy plays when he needs to you know the scramble play like jimmy garoppolo is not doing that the the bomb he threw attempted to tyler conklin avoiding a sack and then creating a 50 50 ball for like 50 50 yards jimmy garoppolo is not doing that so yeah and if he was able to step up there that that would have been uh six but the fact that he that if you watch that throw it's all arm and it's what travels like 54 air yards yeah and, and, and like even to me that's like a big plus play because most quarterbacks are if they're not getting sacked they're throwing that ball away so he not only avoids those two things but he creates a pass that you know not a perfect pass for sure but it's still you know probably 50 50 and and it could it could have been, been, been and yeah it have been a penalty it, well, it bounced off of, uh, I forget the linebacker who, who was in coverage there, but it was a linebacker on Conklin and it bounced off his helmet. Like Conklin was in position to make the play. I don't know how that didn't really get flagged considering the linebacker didn't turn around and, and try to make a play for it. But yeah, so I think that that's the big thing. He's showing that he can manage the game when the circumstances are good and that's what they need him to do. Like in this game, good pass protection, good run game, good field position. We're going to run the ball. We don't need you to throw a million passes. Just make key third down conversions take what's there and he did a great job of that you could win games score a lot of points that way but last week they were down by two scores in the fourth quarter on the road he needed to make big third down throw after big third down throw 
that was not a game manager performance. No, some of the throws he's making last week. Um, and then again, this week, the explosive opportunities, uh, he did create them when he needed to. And then also last week, there was the uh, scrambling play where he hit Brees Hall and another similar 50-50 ball. Again, not a perfect pass, but just to create that opportunity is um, uh, an above expectation play that most quarterbacks aren't doing. Um, so that's what I think is impressive right now. We've seen him quote-unquote manage the game when he needs to but also be himself and make these special unique plays when the time is right and I think that's what what's important because I think early season Zach Wilson last year part of the reason he was struggling so much is because he was trying to do that stuff too much and I think that's part of why the Titans game to me is a little bit overrated just because you know the great plays he made they're fantastic but there were also plays in that game where he tried to do a little bit too much or he didn't do the easy stuff right and they could have put that away earlier than they did and not have it come down right to the last field goal in overtime if he was cleaner if he did take a few more safe throws uh and then the other games that year you know patriots game clearly was trying to do too much and quite a few plays in that one um i think you say the same thing about the panthers game um maybe even the broncos game a little bit but now I think we see Zach Wilson who knows when it's right to take those shots. And, but other than that is playing consistent sound football within the structure of the offense. So right. I think that balance is what's really imp- important. And you mentioned Mahomes before that's a really underrated part of what makes him great because you see the highlights and the highlights are amazing. But when you watch a chiefs game, a lot of how he's getting those yards is just taking Travis Kelsey <laughs> sitting down over the middle or just, Checking well, it down to the back. Yeah, exactly. Or, yeah, it's just that simple stuff well, is what keeps it, offense moving. It, it, I'm not making this comparison, but like Tom Brady's the greatest quarterback of all time, and he manages the game. Like, if, if yeah. I, I get the term game manager is a negative connotation, but for a quarterback like Zach Wilson, who's 22 years old, who has all the talent in the world, him managing the game is a good thing for him. It means he's playing mistake free football. He's he's managing the game so the team can win. Like the mo on him. And the reason that the, the way the Steelers played him and the, the way the Dolphins have played in the last two weeks is, is f- let's force the mistake. Let's force him to try to play hero ball like he did last year, where he would get frustrated that the Jets were down or or whatever situation it was, and he would he would make the mistake, you know, or he would try to throw it deep and not just take the guy who was open who was underneath who was open, and he did it twice in this one, um, the one on the fourth down, like not catastrophically, but there are two examples where you saw a little bit of that. Um, there was the fourth down play where he could have just hit Conklin who was open and on fourth and one. But the thing is, is like, it's so much easier to learn after a win than a loss. Cause your confidence is up and the floor is going to be in the film room and say, Hey, fourth and one in this situation, if there's an open receiver, just take him. And you're going to hope that a guy who has shown the, the ability to, to improve going back to his BYU days, every single year, he's gotten better. And I think that you're going to see those plays get less and less. Like you've already seen. The other one was, um, he, it was actually a hell of a throw. He rolled left. He could have hit Davis for a few yards, and instead he tries to, to hit more. And if more had just set up with his feet in bounds, it would have been a first, would have been like a 25-yard play and a first down because it was a dot from Zach Wilson. But uh, I think he he he's still getting um, some chemistry with Garrett. I would say that. Like I, I think he clearly the, – the receiver he has the most chemistry with is Corey Davis, and he seems to like Conklin, who – was playing a little bit less in this game. Uh, what, what did you think about that? They, I, I, I want to go back to Zach and – as look, these podcasts – all over the place sometimes but uh i noticed a lot more uzama in, in this one and, and less conklin and Saul is chalking that up to trying to keep them fresh similar to the defensive line rotating them but what did you think about uh, a little bit more uzama and less conklin yeah i mean conklin went down to a season low 68 percent, which is 
compared to where he was the first few games, 81, 79, 192. Um, a couple of those games, Uzama was out. But uh, even with Uzama, he was higher. So, uh, yeah, they got a little more Uzama. He was actually at 69%, which is higher than Conklin. He played wow. one more snap. So this game, they did really get that 12 personnel back in there. And I think it, it did help them establish that run game. I, I liked Uzama's blocking in this one. Um, first few games he played was, eh, it was like a mixed bag. But in this one, I did see some good key blocks from him. Even in pass protection, he had some good blocks. So, um, And it's funny because, you know, on the stat sheet, the tight ends did nothing in this game. You know, Uzama, two for 12 yards. Conklin, no catches in this one. But I think blocking-wise, they did play a pretty big role in, in, in that run game. So uh, I, I kind of like the approach in this game. We saw, I think, you know, a little bit less of the receivers and Conklin and Uzama really got that two tight end going this week. So, uh, yeah, I think they wanted to establish that run game against this Miami defense, and it, it worked pretty well. Yeah, and we, they, they got that little uh, shovel pass in there. I know he mentioned that yep. on Monday, but uh... – uh, I'm, I'm glad I at least get to, to flex that three yard shovel pass that they had to Uzama. Um, I'm, I'm curious to see a little bit more of, of Uzama now that he's getting healthier. Um, and, and some of the improvisational ability that he showed with Joe Burrow last year, especially down the stretch, like now that Zach's in the lineup, uh, you know, Uzama, we haven't seen too much of Uzama, especially in the yak. Like, I don't think if they, I think they tried to throw him one tight end screen. I could be wrong about that, but like, we haven't seen much of the, the play breaks down. Zach rolls out and finds Uzama, and you saw that a ton with Joe Burrow. Uh, when you want to talk about tangible things that you could see in Zach's game that, that are definitely better, outside of, like, look, he's way more decisive. He just seems more confident. He doesn't seem to get as flustered um, by pressure or by by negative plays. Um, it's his play action. His play action fakes are legitimately yep. very good, and it was one thing that, that Sanchez was – was amazing at so crucial for this type of offense if you want to be able to run the ball you have to be able to freeze the defense with your play fakes and Darnold was exceptionally lazy with the play fakes and it's one of those things I attribute to, to coaching maybe more so than um than the quarterback themselves it just seems like one of the things that you could just drill in as a coach um and so maybe that goes back to Gase but Darnold was was horrifically lazy with them and then Wilson last year was was lazy at times with them and and it you know it's that split second where the defense says, okay, it's a pass, he's keeping it. That changes the whole play. But multiple times in this game, Zach Wilson not only fooled me out of the defense, the cameraman, his play fakes are, are I don't want to call him elite. I don't want to get ahead of myself. But I don't mean to say anything from watching other games around the league. He, through two games, his play fakes look as good as anybody's. And, and I think you saw that a little bit towards the end last year, like in the Tampa Bay game, he got a little tricky with the ball, but – his, his ball handling is really helping out this run game and this play action game. And that was one of the things when you saw him coming out of BYU, you were like, okay, he, he's shown he can play with his back to the defense uh, in this game. I noticed it last week, but in this game, it was like, wow, his, his play action game has legitimately improved. Yeah, for sure. And you could clearly see the effect of the play fakes. I mean, the way he's faking the ball right now, like you mentioned the cameraman. I mean, there are multiple plays a game on film where the cameraman gets stuck on the running back and doesn't follow the quarterback. And that does not happen a lot. Usually he reads it pretty well. So he should probably be a linebacker. Um, maybe he could replace Quincy Williams. I'm just kidding. Um, yeah. What, I mean, what's with the anti Quincy rhetoric? I don't understand <laughs> that. Michael doesn't like Quincy Williams for, I understand that he he's, you know, he's had some blown plays, but he's I had a better year. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think he's one of those guys, physically you look at him and what he could bring to this defense. Like that's a guy you want to keep developing. 
I don't know. I, I don't. I don't agree. You were on the anti Braxton train, Michael. Let's just be honest here. I don't know if anti. Maybe uh, what's what's a better word for for your opinion on Braxton last year? Um, I guess it was a cool your jets. jets. Yeah, cool, yeah. <laughs> that was go. obvious. Jesus. Um, yeah, you were like a temper your expectations with Braxton, but I don't mean to say anything. I mean that guy is is the Brad Smith of, of this team. Uh, the just the do it all special team I mean, or end around. When he was down after that touchdown, then he just gets up and like. Goes that goes wild for the crowd. That's oh, pretty cool. Yeah, that was right in front of us too. So, and he's also one of those guys. Like, I'm so glad they brought him back just for Zach's comfort level too. Like, they're clearly very close, and I think it would have been, it's easier for Zach this year than if if he had lost Braxton, regardless of what he brings on the field. But just off the field, if you make a great friend your rookie year, and then he just leaves, like I think it could have thrown him off a little bit. I'm glad that they brought him back in, and then on the field, I think Braxton is great. Um, all right, we're jumping around here a lot. Uh, we were talking about his play action before we, right. I guess we can get, what are you going to say? <laughs> no, I forgot. I was trying oh. to track how I got, got to that. I was talking about the camera. We were talking about the, the camera. Fake. Yeah. And then but yeah, no, we, the play fakes are really effective. I mean, yeah, you know, some of it is RPO stuff and some of it is a lot of that. A lot more play action. What do you um, think but, about that? Uh, LaFleur is using a lot more RPOs with Zach. And I think that's a great approach with, with that type of quarterback who has that type of release. No, yeah, I mean, simplify the reads a little bit. Even the first play of the game when he found Garrett was yeah. an RPO. So I think it shows a little bit of, of trust in him to make these decisions, but also it does simplify them a little bit. And I think helps them get into a rhythm, especially early in the game. And it also helps kind of set up the play fakes when they're more designed. So um, I like some of the rollouts they're getting for him. Um, I think it was the third pass of the game when he rolled out to his right and hit Elijah Moore. That was a nice shotgun fake the they got the defensive end to come inside uzama pinned him in there with a good pass block and then zach has a completely clean space to roll out into so they're they're really work chaining a lot of stuff together nicely between the run and the pass game right now so i think that's a good aspect you even go back to the steelers game like the run blocking was bad in that one so they couldn't really succeed running the ball too much but still the way they're able to set things up and get the respect of that run game and build off of that with the pass game later on because so many of those late um, clutch passes from him were play action uh, was impressive. So I think we're starting to see them find their identity in the ground game. Uh, well, I think they know what they want the identity to be, but they're able to establish it more now because they have a quarterback who's capable of doing more things with the football from a mobility perspective, and they're, they're getting healthy. They're the blocking line. a little bit better with the offensive line. So – just starting to put everything together a little bit in terms of the play calling and setting things up and working yeah. them off of each other. Yeah, no, absolutely. Look, they had a lot of new pieces on this offense and anytime that happens, like it, it's going to take some time to, for them to kind of uh, gel and get going. And I think you kind of saw the offense sputtering at times the first few weeks of the season, but they're definitely uh, picking it up. I mean, look, it's been five games, like they'll lose games and they'll have bad games and they'll have more moments where Jets fans are, I, I know I'll see more times this season. I'll be like, oh, same old Jets, whatever. But, like, the the improvement and growth in this team through five weeks is undeniable, and that's what you wanted to see. Uh, it needs to continue. They can't just win three games this season and, you know, call it, a, call it a, a great year. They need to keep getting better. But you have to love the position they put themselves in uh, through the first five games. And that's about as good as you could have hoped for, especially considering you didn't have your starting quarterback. I just can't wait until – Zach gets that camera shoot down with Garrett Wilson. That's what I'm really excited for. Yeah. You have to remember, like, 
Flacco had great chemistry with Wilson partially because that was like his, his main uh, receiver in training camp. Wilson was running with the twos for, for a large part of training camp, especially when Zach uh, was still healthy. Garrett's role got bigger as training camp went on. And then obviously as the season went on. Um, but for Zach, like the starting offense for him, the first few weeks of training camp uh, was Corey, Elijah Moore and Braxton Berrios. And yeah, he had reps with Garrett, but he's still getting that timing down, understanding that the speed of the player and the, the catch radius of the player. And, you know, obviously he had a few completions to him, but you just know from watching the all 22 of what Garrett Wilson is capable of. He just because he's only had the one amazing game against Cleveland and it's like, Oh, he's had some quiet games. No, no, he's still getting wide open. All right. Brees Hall, the breakout game. We finally got the, uh, the Brees Hall breakouts. He didn't get the, uh, the rookie of the week belt. We gave the, the Jets fans gave it to sauce Gardner this week. Although you could probably argue that Brees deserved it more than sauce, but you know, defensive player, what are the chances that he'll win it that many more times? Uh, I, I imagine that Brees will be on that that ballot a few more times uh, this season. Uh, he was awesome in this game. And Brees is a guy who literally every single game, going back to preseason, has gotten better. Every week you just see a little bit of improvement, a little bit of improvement, a little bit of improvement. And you're like, that big play's coming, that big play's coming. And yes, it was on a pass. And, you know, maybe you didn't have to break too many tackles, but the big play came. And then Brees just kept that momentum going. I mean, just big run after big run. And he just wore down that Dolphins defense. Cause he's just so hard to bring down. He's so powerful. When you were watching Brees Hall in person, Michael, I mean, what, what, what was he reminding you of? What were some of the running backs that, that come to mind? Michael Fleur compared him to, to Matt Forte. I've seen people compare him to Le'Veon Bell, uh, but he's, he's a special type of running back, man. I mean, and he's a guy that I know that the, we had that episode back after the draft, why the nerds are wrong about Brees Hall. And I think, uh, few more weeks here and the, the nerds are going to have to be uh, filling out that apology form because uh Brees has the skill set to be one of the best running backs in the league yeah I mean I think this game definitely showed you why you draft a player like him in the second round even as you know a team that you know maybe didn't have the hugest running back need I think he has the talent to really elevate your offense and it's the two-way ability to contribute both as a receiver and as a rusher and to me, I think the biggest thing for evaluating running backs is what do you create beyond what is created for you? And in this game, Brees Hall was excelling in that category. You know, the Jets did run block pretty well, but there were still quite a few plays where, you know, most of the line blocked well, but he still had to get through one defender at the line of scrimmage, but he would stiff arm that guy, he would truck that guy, and he would turn a gain of, you know, maybe two or three yards into seven, eight or 10 yards um and then even the big catch he made you know did he get like 53 yards on that that he didn't have to do much for yeah probably but then he gets to the 20 yard line and he drags defenders all the way down to the goal line those are yards well beyond expectation i think the majority of running backs are getting tackled at the 20 25 yard line wherever that was so uh i really think he had a lot of those plays in this game where he's just creating yards for you, giving you more than you're supposed to get. And, you know, that drive he had in the second quarter was very impressive where he was just there feeding him and just carry after carry old school football, just let him, let him cook, get him the ball and allow him to run through the defense was, it was very impressive. And to have a guy like that just takes so much pressure off of your quarterback. Um, and I think we're really seeing Zach, already have some trust in him. I think, you know, checking the ball down, you should always check it down regardless of who the player is, if it's the right play. But when you know that the guy you're checking it down to is, is this player who could take a check down and 
take a 20 yards to the goal line like you did with that catch late in the game or take a wide open catch and just drag guys 20 yards downfield quarterback sees that and that just registers in his mind like if I give this guy the ball he can get me 20 30 yards and I don't have to do anything and I think it makes the quarterback feel more comfortable checking the ball down quickly you're not giving up if you're throwing the ball to Brees Hall yeah for sure I think you know again like you should always check the ball down regardless but when you know it's this player you can feel like giving him the ball is a bigger win than it might be for other players like such as that play uh, the near touchdown in the fourth quarter where he got brought down the one yard line. Zach caught that ball to him immediately. He was just reading, right? He saw that he had the leverage advantage against a linebacker who was three yards to the inside of him. And he just immediately got that ball to him. And I think that comes from the confidence of, you know, this guy's a star playmaker with the ball in his hands. All I got to do is give him the ball and he'll do the rest. So I really think it's helping Zach Wilson just to have that confidence of, that he has a big time playmaker to give the ball to. Uh, and he's just really getting this running game going. He's, I think, really complimenting this offensive line right now because it's, I think the offensive line right now is doing, there are a lot of plays where most of the blocking is good, but they're still trying to get to that point where everyone's clicking at once. So there are a decent number of plays where just one guy misses a block, but they're doing well enough to get him ahead of steam. So when he gets to that, one man he has to beat you know he already has momentum and that's allowing him to get a stiff arm get a a, you know a truck on that guy and run through him so I think he's complimenting them well in that sense to where they just need him to beat one guy and if he can do that the hole is there for him to use his speed and get to the next second level and get good chunks of yardage so um, and and like Robert Salad talked about a few weeks ago I think we're seeing his vision improve he's getting downhill more He's you know, not just bouncing runs to the outside. He's being more patient, squaring his hips to the line of scrimmage and showing some of that start stop, start yeah. speed. Dude, so that, that first run, that first big run he had the start stop on that play was yeah. insane. I'm trying to try to try to pull it up here, but just, just the, the ability to stop on a dime, wait for ABT right. to steal that block, cut up field, then hesitate. Like he's going to go right. And, and basically uh, allow for the tight end to hold that block a little bit longer because he yeah. freezes the linebacker and then cut it back inside. Like that that's an elite play from a running back. Yeah. And it's exactly what you're talking about. And like, what do you create? That's not there for you. Um, because like, yeah, it was, it was a well-blocked play, but if that's uh, give me a random jets running back, I don't want to throw P-Rine. one. P- that's LaMichael P Ryan <laughs> four yard run. Maybe. And maybe stop the, the, the line of scrimmage. Like it's not a 13 yard run on a first down or whatever it, it came out to be. So uh, that's why, you know, playmakers, baby, as Joe Douglas said. Um, on the offensive line, though, I mean, obviously their best game, not even close. Yeah. Uh, Elijah Vera Tucker, flawless at right tackle. Uh, and so the fact that this is a guy who's literally never played this position, because uh, at least left tackle, okay, he did play it at USC, and he was preparing for it for a few weeks before the Steelers game, apparently. Um, but the fact that he was able to just bounce out to right tackle, ask George Fant, Max Mitchell a few questions, and then just put on a flawless performance from that spot. It's getting the point with, with Vera Tucker that look, you want to get your best five out there and, and we'll see what the jets have to do this year, especially once, once Fant and Mitchell come back, I'll tell you, I'll tell you this in this offensive line, keep playing like the way they're playing. I don't mess with it as much as I like what Max Mitchell's has shown us. And I, I know George Fant had a good year last year. Like if you're getting a good performance from an offensive line, don't mess with that chemistry. Like just, just keep the five in there. Uh, if it's working, uh, Nate Herbig has, has brought a nasty edge, but it's getting to the point with, with Vera Tucker that 
if he keeps playing like this at tackle, maybe he's a tackle. Maybe they keep him a right tackle because let's be honest. Yes, it's great to have a, a, an amazing guard, but tackle is a more valuable position. And I think you're seeing Vera Tucker make more of an impact on the game at tackle, especially in the system. That outside zone system, you need a tackle who you can give those stretch plays and, and he can go out as, as your lead blocker. Yes, the guard needs to be mobile as well, but they really were hurt by their lack of, uh, of any sort of NFL caliber tackle. Obviously, Max Mitchell stepped up, and so that was great. And Fant was kind of battling and, and, and whatnot. But Elijah Vera Tuckle, Tucker at tackle is a legitimately – I mean, we have to see it for a few more weeks, but he legitimately looked like one of the best tackles in the league. Like, I don't care if his arm length isn't necessarily where, where it needs to be. His athleticism and his foot speed is to the point where it doesn't really matter. Now, we need to see him against an elite pass rusher before we can crown him a tackle. But it's getting to the point with me, Michael, where it's like, if this O-line combo is working, don't mess with it. But again, it's been one week, so you can't say that for certain yet. But I thought that Dwayne Brown looked good. Lake and Tomlinson had his best game. McGovern had one of his best games as a Jet. Herbig has added a, a great nasty edge to, the, to this uh, offensive line. And, and Vera Tucker is generational at this point. He should be an all-pro this year. So what were your thoughts on the offensive line combo? And then what are your thoughts on, we got to see a little bit longer, but what do you do when, these, when, these, uh, when Mitchell and, and George Fant come back? Yeah, I, I love the offensive line in this game after rewatching it, um, especially in the run game. I think they're very solid. Uh, Lakin Tomlinson stands out. Uh, well, AVT stands out the most, but from a progression standpoint, I think Tomlinson took, took the biggest step forward. I mean, he finally looked like the guy I think you hoped you were getting, which is a, a very solid starting guard, uh, especially in the in the run game. I think he just understood angles really well. There were a lot of plays where, the Miami defender would shoot a gap really aggressively on him, whether it was inside or outside. And he just felt it out really well, let that guy run himself out of the play uh, and just created holes in that way. There was no more the leaning and him getting, you know, beat by swim moves. Uh, he was a lot more dialed in this game. Um, so maybe playing with Dwayne Brown helped him out there. Although there were, were a couple of pass protection miscommunications with them too. So um, perhaps, that'll take some time to iron out, but Tomlinson much better game and they need that from him going forward. Um, I like how Nate Herbig is playing it, not perfect. He did I think give up the one sack where uh, there's a face mask. Um, other than that though, run game, very good again. Uh, but AVT, I think, man, like don't, you don't even, don't even consider the fact that he never played right tackle before. Even if that isn't a part of this, that was a, tremendous right tackle performance basically flawless I mean I can't remember a single rep he was bad like I could name one for any other player on the offensive line it, as good as they were but for AVT just he wasn't losing in the pass game and the run game it was fantastic and you know there's one play where they ran it to the outside and he just pulled out a right tackle and beat the linebacker to the spot, sealed him inside. And for him in his first game playing that position to look that comfortable exploding out of his stance like that is just incredible. So you throw that into the mix. The fact that he did all that, having never played this position, is, is truly remarkable. So he is the Jets' most valuable and best player right now. And, you know, he, he just gives you so many options in he, it, it comes up huge in seasons like this one where you're dealing with all these injuries and, you know, trying to find the best combination to have a guy who could play different positions allows you to mix and match in a way that works for everyone else. So 
without him being able to do this, you'd be stuck playing Connor McGovern. And, you know, it would be tough. Maybe they don't win one of these past two games. And uh, so it, he's coming up so huge for them. And, and I agree with you. I think this is probably their best five. If AVT can keep proving he can play a tackle this well, and I think he still has to prove it because, you know, he played really well the past couple of games, but it's only two games, got to keep doing it. Uh, if he can do that, I think you, I would prefer her big guard, Vera Tucker tackle than uh, Vera Tucker guard and Mitchell tackle because I think Herbig at guard is out playing where Mitchell was at tackle. And, you know, Mitchell is surprisingly impressive, a lot of potential going forward. But right now I would take Herbig. So if Vera Tucker is not going to show a drop-off between guard and tackle, I'm keeping him a tackle yeah. and playing Herbig at guard. And also you want to you just settle on something so these guys can build yeah, some chemistry exactly. and, and, you know, just not keep rotating it. Exactly. And, and, and Fant and Mitchell probably won't be ready until maybe what, like the Pats game, the Bills game, maybe they'll keep them until after the bye. And, you know, given the Jets um, track record, I'm sure there'll be other injuries in the offensive line, but that's a great point. Like, let's just let these guys get comfortable and build that chemistry. It feels like it's been a different combination every single week. So uh, I 100% agree with you there. I want to get to the defense. This is going to be a long podcast. So I guess, I guess it's a good thing if you're uh you, you like got to make up the 60 minutes we lost. That's true. I <laughs> thought about splitting these into two things. I knew we were going to spend a lot of time on this Dolphins game. How could you not? That was one of the best Jets games of the last few years. It's pretty low bar, but that was an amazing game. One complaint, one complaint about this game, which I'm looking at our notes here. I just want to make sure we touched on it. But um, the yeah. JETS chant during the games, usually on point, it's loud. usually great. But there are some times where it's, you know, they show the three guys on the screen fireman ed and two other guys sometimes it's not totally synchronized and it kind of throws everyone off and i'm like oh, that kind of kind of killed the vibe there no but, uh, i i know what you mean i think there'll be think... some improvement with the synchronization and also so i don't even say anything i know fireman ed's the the legend here he seems like a little slow on the draw with the j like he'd go j and then he'd hold it and then he'd go eets and i was like all right i know you're the pro here dude yeah, the, but his like... pacing was a little off in this game. <laughs> he's rusty he's rusty um i i get that the uh I get why they put the three guys up there because the Jets want it to be like their thing and not just Fireman Ed's thing. But yeah, wasn't there a point later in the game where they just showed him? Yeah, they just showed Fireman Ed. Yeah, I think I that's better. But like, like you said, there was one point where he's doing it really slow and it kind of threw me off. Yeah, I, I love how I love how you got you had to squeeze that in there in between the offense and the defense break. I don't think anyone has ever had such a nuanced analysis of this of the jet. Oh, I'm sure. Uh, <laughs> you know, what? I think that yeah, our podcast is perfect for these uh, nuanced analysis of things that nobody cares about. Speaking of things that nobody cares about, the uniform. No, I'm just kidding. We don't have to do that right now. Um, the defense. I guess we. I think we've talked enough about the offense. I'm sure some other stuff will pop up, but uh, overall thoughts on the offense is Zach Wilson played a great game. Don't buy into the uh, – well, I'll honestly buy into it. Zach Wilson managed the game, and that's a freaking great thing because he just led a 10-point comeback in the fourth quarter with multiple big-time throws a week ago, and he's a guy that we've already seen the the insane Mahomesian type of play. You just want to see him do this week in and week out, and if he does this and then teams have to come and play underneath, then the big stuff downfield is, is going to happen, especially if this run game gets going. Like This is a great point for Zach to be at, especially two games into the season. Uh, two games into his season. You have to be happy with that. Offensive line played great. The weapons. I just love that the Jets aren't one-dimensional anymore. 
like last year in, in years past with the young quarterbacks, it was like, all right, the Jets offense is going to be good if the young quarterback plays at a, an amazing elite level. You don't need that anymore. You have the talent for that not to happen. And then in other situations, it's been like, all right, well, um, we have this one great player. But if teams take him away, then you got nothing else. It's like, all right, you want to take away Elijah Moore? Well, they got Garrett Wilson. You want to take away Garrett Wilson? Well, you got Brees Hall. You want to take away Brees Hall? Then you got uh, Michael Carter. You got Corey Davis. You got Tyler. Con- like, it, it's it was undeniable in the offseason, the level of talent on this on both sides of the football, but especially the offensive side of the football, the level of talent in, in for Zach Wilson's weapons. But I think what prevented a lot of people in the national media and even Jets fans themselves from anointing this offense to the level that it may end up playing at this year is like, we haven't seen it. Let's talk about the defense. Um, speaking of, of, of the Brees Hall breakout, there was another breakout on the defensive side of the ball, the Carl Lawson breakout, the Carl Lawson breakout that we've been waiting for finally came true. Michael going back and seeing and, and watching the replays and watching the coaches film and seeing Carl Lawson when, when rep after rep and looking like the guy that the jets paid for. And, and it, it was kind of a theme in this game for, for not just Carl, but for multiple free agent signings from Joe Douglas, like Corey Davis, the last two weeks has looked like the receiver. The jets were paying Lakin Thomas in this past week, looked like the guard that they were paying Carl Lawson this week. He looks like the edge rusher that they went and paid. And there are some other guys in there who have, who've already proven it. Like Jordan Whitehead looks like the safety. They went out and paid DJ Reed's been amazing this year, but let's focus on Carl for a second. Finally had that breakout game and you saw what it did for this jets defense. Yeah. I mean, this, like I said, this was a Carl Lawson. I think, that they that they were paying to get. I think the frequency of the pressure and the quarterback hits he got was was top notch, and it's really the elite caliber that they wanted to get from him. And in this game, he created enough pressure and was back there frequently enough that he was able to get the big splash play out of it with that late strip sack. Which you know, as as great as that play was, and it's funny how pass rushing works because. That's a fantastic play, but I've seen Lawson win a lot quicker than that play. But sometimes those are the plays where the ball comes out. Nobody notices what you did. But on this play, luckily, the coverage was good. Um, you know, it was I think it was a run fake at first. And, you know, he draws the tight end, just bowls him into the backfield and comes around with that strip sack. But uh, but he was living in the backfield. He got Brandon Shell for most of this game because Teron Armstead went out pretty early. Um, but before Armstead went out, he beat him for a likely sack, but got held. So essentially got the yardage of the sack anyway. Uh, so, so he was just winning at that rate that you want him to win. And it really does so much for a defense when you have a guy on the edge who could who could win at that frequency and just create pressure without the help of a blitz. And he was doing that in this game. And just to, just to talk about a few other guys in the past rush. I mean, John Franklin Myers. Huge game from yeah. him. Uh, he was right up there with Lawson in terms of the pressures. The sauce gardener interception. Yeah. Give Franklin Myers uh, an assist on that one. He got the hit that made that ball flutter in the air. Definitely helped Gardner pick that ball off. Uh, and in addition to that, you know, we talk a lot about wanting to move him inside, but in this game, he showed you why it is viable to keep him on the edge. I think he's better inside, but he's still very good on the edge and. This, games like this one show you why because he just is such a good technician that even if he isn't the bendiest or most explosive guy out there because of his size he still has great power and he couples it with great technique to where he can get wins and really create a lot of havoc from out there so from both edges the Jets are getting very good pressure in this game and 
to go back to what we were talking talking about at the start of this podcast, you know, how this game be different if Teddy played, if Tua played, you know, those quarterbacks playing wouldn't change the Jets' two edge rushers winning the way they were in this game. It, they still would have caused a lot of problems for those two quarterbacks. So uh, great job of those two guys. Bryce Huff is an elite pass rush specialist right now. The frequency he's winning. I mean, the guy does not play a ton of reps. He really only comes in for obvious pass plays. And yet he's in the backfield three, four times a game these first two weeks of the season. Just great wins from him. Uh, you know, with the rest he's getting, he gets to come out there. He's rested. He can empty the tank on one play because he knows he's going to be out another three to four plays at least. Then he can come back out there, empty the tank again. And, you know, when a guy gets to do that, he can be as effective as Huff has been. You know, he's going speed to power. He's getting around the corner. Just great pressure from him off the edge. And right now, according to NFL Next Gen Stats, Huff is the fastest pass rush get-off time of any edge rusher in the league. And that's a product of the role he's playing. Like I just explained, he gets to play that way because he's playing so few snaps. So I like this role for him. It's really complimenting the other guys on the line well because JFM has been kicking inside on these reps where Huff is out there and they're complimenting each other well uh, when JFM gets to get in there. So um, Quinnen, it's just a weekly occurrence with him now. I believe he had six pressures in this one. He had a sack that he shared with JFM on, I believe that was on a stunt. So Quinnen continues to be very active. Um, defensive line showed up in this game and the coverage, coverage deserves some credit for buying them some time on a few of these plays, but overall the wins were very frequent in this game from the pass rush. Yeah. And I think the other uh, man that deserves a lot of credit and he's got, he's gotten his flowers this season, but answer me this, Michael, is there a defensive tackle that's playing better football than Quinn Williams right now? Cause if there is, I, I haven't seen one. If there is, it's hard to make that argument because he's just – he's firing and also on right now. And I should clarify. Obviously, Aaron Donald is a superhuman, amazing yeah. player, better than Quinnen, Hall of Famer, whatever. But right now, who's playing the best football at defensive tackle? And like, yeah, Quinnen Williams on a snap count, whatever. But Quinnen Williams is living up to all the hype. Uh, when the Jets selected him number three overall in 2019. And that's absolutely massive for this team. Cause if you go back to his rookie season, the, the rhetoric, the rhetoric on Quinnen was, was not too positive. Uh, and, and he is fully developed uh, into everything the Jets could hope for. I mean, he, he is the heart and soul of this defensive line. And, you know, obviously he's, he's great against the run and he's, he's crucial there, but you're really seeing him develop as a pass rusher. He's just become an all around defensive tackle. And, and this is something I, I did want to talk about. Obviously, I understand, and we've made this, this argument on the podcast about the rotation, sp specifically the defensive line, but the Jets also rotate a lot on offense. I mean, they rotate between Carter and Brees Hall at running back. Now you're seeing more of a rotation at tight end between Uzama and Conklin. The receivers rotate uh, a lot. You'll see Barrios get in there. You'll see Jeff Smith have snaps. Um, so there's a lot of rotation at the explosive playmaker part of, uh, of this roster outside of maybe corners i guess you could argue are like kind of playmakers but like okay your pass rushers and your your weapons and those are the guys that they're heavily rotating and so we've criticized some of it and i understand all those arguments but michael when you look at the way this team has played in the fourth quarter going all the way back to preseason i know that doesn't really matter but i'll say it again three and on the preseason all fourth quarter comebacks 
when you look at the regular season performance in the fourth quarter, I mean, I don't think you can just scoff at it and pretend like it's nothing, but the jets are like, I, I'm trying to pull it up. They're the number two uh, scoring offense in, in the, in the NFL in the fourth quarter. I mean, they've outscored all their opponents in the fourth quarter of the season. And even in their two losses, they outscored the Ravens. I mean, it was like six points in the fourth quarter to nothing. And, uh, and they had that one driver breeze fumbled. Um, and then in the Bengals game, they had a, a nice long drive where they could have made it a one possession game and they had the sack on fourth down. So the fourth quarter has been the jets quarter all season long, not just in their wins. I understand it's maybe skewed by their performances in the wins, but all season long from preseason through now, the jets have been a fourth quarter team. How much of that, Michael, do you think you have to chalk up to, to some of this rotation that the jets are the fresher team come the fourth quarter? I mean, listen, I appreciate the devil's advocate argument here. I, I mean, I, I think there's some credence to it. And I think that is part of the goal of doing that is to finish game strong. But, you know, then the contrary argument is maybe you wouldn't need to finish games as strong if they're playing more earlier. Um, I, I mean, to their credit in this game, they did dial it back a little bit. Quinnen, JFM, Lawson all played season highs in snap percentage. I think uh, it was a good it was a good number. If you want yeah, to, it, was, it was a decent middle ground. Quinnen was at 70, Lawson 73, JFM 66, which is, and we haven't talked about it, but JFM was kind of criminally underplayed too. He was under 50% in a couple of games. Um, they got which him is, up. Which is nuts given his versatility. Yeah, yeah, like for sure. You're, you're giving Nathan Shepard more reps rather than just playing JFM more inside. So you could get, end up giving more reps to Jermaine Johnson or Michael Clemens or Bryce. Huff. Like the, there's still some issues I have with, with the jets defensive line rotation, but I think uh, yeah, and, there's and some credence to it. guys. Yeah. There's some credence to it. Um, and they got the, uh, some of the backup players down in this game. Martin took a big hit. I think Huff is cutting into him. Yeah. For 16% sure. for Martin Shepard, 22 Thomas, 28. Those are all season lows. So, I think Q can play a little bit more. I mean, you know, I, I just see these other guys like Buckner, like Allen, Simmons, Jarrett, you know, they play 80, 85% and they still play really well. So I still wonder if Q can do that. And granted, I guess they probably have a better feel for his conditioning and all that than we do. So maybe they just don't trust that he can do that, but no. I, I see these other guys do it and I'm, definitely confident no, Quinn can he it. can he, he can definitely do it so I would still like to see him probably go up another 10 percent and you might think oh that's not that much but I mean it boils down to you know a whole series or two of plays where you could have Quinn Williams out there instead of Nathan Shepard so it I would I would still like to see him up another 10 percent but it, at least it's good to because this was his his highest number since Jeff Holbrook came in so it's a step in the right direction. Hopefully they gradually increase that. But uh, but for Lawson and JFM, I think those are, are nice numbers. I do wonder if the rotation and keeping these guys fresh has led to them staying a little healthier. I mean, I'm not saying the Jets have been perfectly lucky. Like they've certainly had their injuries this year. But when you look at them compared to years past, through five weeks, they're in a good spot. As much as we've criticized the rotation methods, and this is what happens when you win, I think it is important to kind of think about, okay, but why would the Jets do it when they have all of the arguments we've laid out? And when you look at their fourth quarter performance and team health as a whole, I think it does make some sense. But I agree that I, I think Sunday's rotation at the defensive line was was a good middle ground. I agree they could maybe play Quinn in a little bit more. Um, but that's something to keep an eye out for. 
Um, I do want to get to the Packers game. Let's see if there's anything else in the defense we want to talk about. Quan Alexander. I mean, I think he deserves a little bit of a shout out. Um, I mean, he's been unbelievable. And I think he's, he's the perfect um, type of player when you want to talk about why the Jets feel different this year. Because how many times did they sign a guy like that, like off the scrap heap right before training camp, an old veteran? And he's just been cheeks. Like he's just past this prime, collecting a check, putting on a Jets helmet. Think of like, like Ryan Khalil. Give me some other ones, Michael. The Jets have had a number of these guys. And Quan Alexander's. The, yeah, I mean, the, there's a lot of, uh, he was a Jet, like those types of guys. But Quan Alexander, um, he's coming, he's playing at a super high level. I mean, uh, this guy, every time he makes a tackle, I swear you can hear it in the third level. Every time this guy lays the boom. And this Jets defense as a whole tackles hard. Um, going back and rewatching and thinking about the them being upset about the Tyreek Hill comments, you could see every time Hill touches the ball, I mean, they're just trying to level him. And I love that. They weren't scared of him at all. It's the credit to, to Sauce and Reed. They, they were not scared of, of Hill and Waddle. But getting back to the point about Quan, this defense tackles with a, a ferocity. Quincy Williams certainly tackles with a ferocity. But every single time that Quan Alexander hits, it, it's like an 18-wheeler hitting a Camry. So how impressed have you been with, with Quan Alexander? I know you put out that little compilation on Twitter, got a few retweets. Um, I mean, but he's he's been outstanding. I mean, what a pickup, what a late pickup for Joe Douglas because linebacker was probably our biggest, would you say? I mean, that was up there with our biggest concerns entering yeah. training camp. They signed Quan Alexander. It's like, all right, the, the depth is a lot better, but it's not just the depth. It's at a point where I really like Quincy Williams. He definitely still needs to play. Maybe you bring back Mosley's reps on, on third downs and, and find a way to get Quincy out there a little bit more on third. But Quan Alexander is a starting linebacker on this team. He's playing better than Mosley. He's playing better than Quincy. He's balling out this season. No, for sure. And I, I agree with what you said about uh, it always feel like feels like the Jets sign these well-known players who are, you know, maybe a little past their prime. And that's not to say Quan is old, but, you know, he's had some injuries and stuff. Um, and, and, you know, they never work out, but he's come in here and he, it seems like he wants to be here and he's passionate about playing for this team and just the energy he brings has, has been fantastic. Like you said, the, the hits he makes, it feels like every single game he comes up with a big hit that sparks the team. Um, and a lot of these big hits too, you know, big hits are great for highlights and all that, but these are quality hits that he's making where it's like he meets the player in the open field stops them right where they're at prevents them from getting yards after contact and just so many hits in this dolphins game where he, the runner is stopped in their tracks and you're like wow that is a lot less yardage than i thought he was going to get that is a great hit by Quan right there um the fourth down stop he made there was the play where tyreek hill reverse field and Quan levels him and only gets three yards out of a play where he should have got a lot more so a ton of those hits and even the run defense in this game, like the jets had some shaky moments, but there were times where they did hold them down. And Quan was a big part of that. He had so many good block sheds in the open field where he would dip under a lineman, get in there and stop a run for four or five yards when it could have been a lot more than that. So really he's been impressive. Just a perfect fit for this defense, athletic, high motor speed range, and he's been all over the field and, and people always throw that term around, Oh, the linebackers all over the field. Like uh, every linebacker makes tackles, but there's a difference between just, you know, just being there to finish the play and making plays like really making a difference. And that is what 
Quan is doing right now with his ability to track down plays from sideline to sideline, get to the ball in situations where a lot of other linebackers probably wouldn't have the speed and range to get there and stop that play. Uh, and just the fit, his finishing right now is great. He's not missing a lot of tackles. He's making big hits, stopping guys in their tracks to save yards. So, man, he's really good right now for sure. A few other guys I want to give a shout-out to. I want to get through this a little fat. Well, you know what? Every time I say that, we get comments on the YouTube that are like, What's We're going to roll through yeah. these mailbag questions quickly. <laughs> Four hours later. Um, I think uh, quickly, Will Parks, I think he deserves a shout out. I think that's a guy who you could tell all the way going back to last year, who's really bought into Robert Sala. And like, yeah, you can't read too much into like Twitter or whatever, but Parks, like, I, I swear all offseason, I was seeing him tweet um, just like really like, I don't know, positive, motivational th- like things about the Jets, not just like, you know, Instagram motivation, like talking about how much he's buying in and how he's going to be different this year. And like how, and you could just see that on the field. And there was one play in particular, and I pointed it out live. And then I think Saul even mentioned in the post game where he blew up a run, he sacrificed himself to, to blow up a run play. And he got trampled by the offensive line, but because he threw his own, his body um, behind the line of scrimmage and allowed himself to be trampled running back, had nowhere to go. He had to cut back and the jets make their stop. I thought parks, they had to pull him a little bit later in the game because they, they opened up in, in, in big nickel. And that's why parks was basically playing a third linebacker spot early in the game to match Miami speed. When Miami started to run the ball a little bit more, he, they took him out and put in Marcel Harris, who hopefully will be Quincy Williams this week. But parks is a guy that I just going back to, to preseason. He balled out. He should have made the initial 53 going back to, uh, the onside kick recovery against uh, against the Browns, he was crucial there. Um, I don't know. Will Parks just been a guy who's like the quintessential when you when Joe Douglas was like, and it sounded like a joke back then, honestly, where he's like, we want to build the best culture in sports. And when Adam Gase was their coach and the Jets were, you know, not looking too pretty, it, it sounded like a joke. But over the last few years, look, two win back to back wins, you can't. They're not even close yet, but you can see the culture that Saul is building. And a guy like Will Parks having a, 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 a great year for his role and, and a guy who I think you're going to see his role continue to expand. That's the perfect type of player. When you talk about building a culture, a guy who can just a, an unheralded veteran who buys in and puts up his career here. He's not there yet, but I, I think that parks is well on his way to having uh, one of the better seasons of his career. Cause every time he's on the field, it feels like he's, he's making positive plays for the jets. Um, and another guy that I think deserves a, a very- quickly before we get to have comment on will parks. I, I like what they did with him in this game. You know, you're facing a speedy, Dolphins offense so they essentially made Parks the third linebacker you know just to get more speed on the field play more of that big nickel get three safeties out there Uh, I think it was a good decision it really helped them match the speed and there were multiple outside runs where Parks got into the backfield so quickly Um, and even if he didn't finish it he just kind of forced the guy to bounce it out uh, prolong the run a little bit and it let some of his teammates rally. So I think that was a good move. And, and we could see that against some of the speedier, speedier offenses they played this year. Yeah, no, absolutely. And the safeties as a whole have, have definitely improved a lot. I think Joyner and Whitehead both um, got off to a rough start the season, but uh, they've improved the last two weeks. I mean, obviously the game against Pittsburgh, both of them were fantastic. And I thought in this game, they, they played well. We have to see him against a guy like Aaron Rodgers this week. That'll be a big test for them. We're going to get to that in a second. But the other guy I really want to give a shout out to who I feel like is kind of like the, the forgotten man, like the unheralded man in the, in this cornerback room. Everybody's like talking about the Jets cornerback duo between sauce and Reed. And let's be honest, they've been amazing. I mean, sauce Gardner already. I don't, I don't want to 
proclaim him anything, but he's already playing like a top corner in this league. And you could very easily see sauce being the best corner in the league at some point in his career and some point, maybe in the next season or two, like that's the level that, that sauce uh, is playing at when you look at his potential and how he's already playing as a rookie. I mean, that guy in terms of, I know he's five games in, but in terms of uh, taking a guy in the first round, taking a guy in the top five, like he's everything and more you'd want out of a corner. Cause let's be honest, rookie corners tend sometimes struggle. I know certain has been good and, and horn's been pretty good for Carolina, but think about like Jeff Okuda, Detroit took him third overall. And he, he has not been uh, that, that, much of a lockdown corner and sauce and Reed have been fantastic, but Michael Carter, the second gets no love, no love from the national media. And this guy's also been amazing. And a nickel corner. He's a starter. He's a starting corner for this team. Like, it's not like he's just a rotational player that comes in. How many bad nickel corners have I, have, have we seen uh, on, on jets defenses that have cost them on third downs, little, you know, speedy slot receivers come and, and just, you know, shake Kyle Wilson off of them or Buster screen or, Trying to, what are some of the other nickel corners that, that the Jets have had in, in the last decade? Can you think of any other ones? I'm trying to think. I mean, Buster Screen's the one that really jumps out. Um, who was like, who do they have in like the post Kyle Wilson between a pre Buster Screen? Do you remember? Darren Walls. I don't know. Yeah, but was he the starting nickel? Like, I know he was on the team, but the fact that I we can't even name. We don't him. remember that. Yeah. <laughs> it tells you the story. I'll look it up, but. But can you speak to what to what Michael Carter II has done? Really going back to last year, since he's been drafted as an unheralded six round pick, he's been one of the best nickel corners in the league. No, yeah, I think he's I think he's been really solid, and you know he kind of gets lost in the sauce a little bit. You heard the hesitation there. Ah. I was like, should I use this pun? But I was like, I'll go ahead and do it. But he kind of gets lost in the sauce because you know you have these two big name outside corners. You have your top five pick, and you're a big free agent. And you know, granted, I would say they are better than he is uh, just because they're playing really well but you know he he's still been very good and you know in the slot i don't think it's a a, as a position that gets as much glory as the outside corners because they don't get a ton of chances to make plays on the ball or as many as the outside corners do i think it's more of a dirty working position where it's like make your tackles underneath um just hold your guy down have tight coverage don't allow targets uh, you don't get a ton of chances to pick passes off and things like that. But uh, he's been doing that really well. Just the number of times he's been beaten as a jet is, is very low relative to a lot of other slot corners in the league. So he's been very solid for them. And, uh, and, and like you said, I think when you're talking about this team's cornerback position, it should be a lot more of the cornerback trio than just the duo. I think all three guys are, playing very well last position group we want to talk about and then we get to the Packers game special teams oftentimes the difference you're really seeing it now that the Jets are kind of competitive the difference between winning and losing and not that the special teams has necessarily cost the Jets too many games. I mean it's cost the Jets games but at times they've been bad on offense and defense too so it hasn't really cost that many games but you go back to like like the season opener against the Bills in 2019 what are some of the other ones where they've just had missed extra points or missed kicks or shanked punts or fumbled kickoffs or blown kickoff coverages? The special teams unit has been flawless this season. Week one was not great, I guess, but from week two onwards, from the onside kick, Braden Mann, just as everybody gave up on Braden Mann, now he's he's balling out. We're finally seeing him down punts inside the 10, which was my biggest criticism of him for so long. 
And it was huge for the Jets because they won the field position battle. You really saw in this game how having a good punter can really help you out. Um, Greg Zerline's been money since week one. Braxton Berrios is always money. And then I think the depth of the team, too, you see that on on the, the, the kick coverages. Like the blocking and the coverages have been good, and that speaks to the depth of this team. So I just think uh, our guy Brant Boyer and the, and the special teams unit as a whole deserves a shout-out because a lot of times we focus on the offense, we go through the defense, and then we move on. But I think special teams just deserved a, a quick little shout-out uh, on this podcast. Yes, I mean, it's definitely – special teams becomes more important the better you are. Like I think when you're the Jets teams of the past two years and you're getting blown out so often, you know, special teams doesn't really – make that much of a difference when you're losing by 20 losing by 30 but when you start playing one score games that's when you could really see those hidden points from the special teams potentially be the difference maker between winning and losing and i go back to 2015 i think the jets really could have won a couple more games that year with better special teams you think of the punt return touchdowns they allowed to the eagles uh the bad punting against the patriots in that first game uh there were multiple other games where Special teams played a pretty big role in them losing a game. So this Jets team, it looks like they're going to be more competitive. They're going to play more close games. And it's good to have reliability at kicker, reliability at punter, and just all the special teams spots. And now you look at these three games they've won, and special teams has made a difference. Look at the Browns game. Greg Zerline doesn't miss a kick. Browns kicker does miss an extra point. There's your difference on the scoreboard right there. So it's it's already coming into play. Also, I mean, Braden Mann's performance in that game goes without saying. Uh, and then the Steelers game, you know, once again, um, did the Steelers miss a field goal in that one? I'm pretty sure they did, right? Um, I'm not. I don't remember. I think they did. You're right. I think they did. Uh, let me let me either, double check. Either way, you know, perfect game from Zerline again. Uh, and then here in the Dolphins game, Dolphins miss a field goal. That turns out to be the turning point. Jets never miss a kick. Braden Man has great punts to set the Jets up early in the game, sets up the safety. Oh, they, they did not. Uh, they did not miss a kick, by the way. Um, they had a bad but, punt, though. Yeah, yeah. Um, but still, like when you're playing these close games, it, it you could see the difference come into play. And I think in the Browns and Dolphins wins, special teams definitely kind of helped them make up that difference and uh, kind of pull away in these closer games. So it's been huge. All right, Michael. Before we get to the Packers game, I know, I know, we got to get to this Packers game. But we're done with recapping the Dolphins game. I just want to have a brief little segment here for a few minutes, five games into the season. And it was, you could have maybe done this last week, but I think it was, you didn't really know who the Jets were. And you still don't know who the Jets were, but I think you have a better idea through five games, Um, especially now that you've seen like a complete start to finish win from this Jet, wire to wire lead win from this Jets team. But at the end of the day, they haven't beaten any good quarterbacks. Hell, they haven't really even beaten any starting quarterbacks, considering Brissett was the backup. Then Pickett comes in for Trubisky, and then this week uh, they already started with Bridgewater and Thompson came in. So some people around the league are saying, look, Jets are a paper tiger. Maybe not even a tiger yet, but the Jets are – they're going to fall off. They've only beaten backup quarterbacks. Um, and they have a big game this week against the Packers, and we're going to preview it in a second. But when you look at this Jets team through five games – what are you seeing? What type of team is this? And and how big of, of a win uh, was Sunday in terms of the confidence that this young team could get? Because I think that this team and, and the type of program that Robert Saul is trying to build, and you need to start winning at a certain point. 
And, and, you know, you think about, uh, I'm trying to remember who exactly just mentioned this, but, but Parcells back in 97, they beat the Seahawks in the opener. And, and apparently like that was the, the moment that these guys, and I think it was, the, you know, it was the first game, but those guys in the locker room, they bought in after that. When, you know, you're a guy like Sala and you're preaching all gas, no break. We're going to, you know, he's kind of a hype man. Obviously I, I, I believe in his intelligence and some of the other traits he brings, but he's a very positive guy. And that positive attitude is hard to keep up when you keep losing. So you got to win. And when you win, guys are going to keep buying in even more. That confidence is going to grow. These young players are going to get more and more comfortable and they're going to start to believe that they can compete with anybody. So I think the win that they had on Sunday was absolutely massive. They finally proved it that they can go start to finish and beat a division rival at home in a big game. They have a big test this week, but through five games, Michael, we've seen miracle win. We've seen a comeback from Zach Wilson that we hadn't seen before. We've seen a wire to wire win. I mean, and then we've seen two kind of middling losses that were both kind of, they weren't blowouts. They were ugly losses. There were time. There were moments for the jets in both those games, but Kind of frustrating, but again, with their backup quarterback. So through five games, Michael, what's your read on this Jets team? Um, and just what are your thoughts on on the, the last five weeks? And then more importantly, what Sunday's win could do for them moving forward? Well, I think this team is on the track to being the team we hoped that the Jets would be this year. And that's a competitive team that is playing meaningful football to the end of the year and is doing it led by their core young players. So um I think it's a little too early for us to get too far ahead of ourselves. And yeah, but that- you can still, but you can still, I, I know what you mean. We, we're, we're Jets fans, we're Scar, but I'm saying, but yeah. you can still look at the tangible evidence that we're getting about who this team is through five weeks. No, yeah. But, I mean, you know what I mean? mean? Like, yeah, I'm, what I was going to say is I think it's too early, you know, start realistically thinking playoffs or anything like that. I just think, but regardless, mm-hmm. I think you could, you could still look at it and just be, confident that they're you know playing competitive games that the young talent is leading the team that they can make comebacks on the road that they could blow out a division rival at home so it just seems like they're back to being a competent competitive team at the very least and from here on out I guess we'll see if they could um, be ahead of schedule and compete for the playoffs this year And, and actually on that point this is something that you and I were talking about earlier and you made a really good point um you know, because I just said, you know, let's, you know, cool the Jets a little bit. Let's not think about playoffs a little bit. But you kind of made a point earlier when we were talking. Maybe that's not something you should do, because I think, like you said, sometimes rebuilds aren't as gradual as we make it out. They're never they never times. Are. It's it's just, you know, worst to first. It's zero to 100, just like that. Right. Well, how many times have you can you seriously? I mean, I know that they exist. But how many times have you seen like, okay, we're picking top three in the draft and okay, now we're going to pick uh top eight in the draft. Now we're going to be just missing out on the play. Like that. You don't really ever, you see like the Bengals last year, a team who sucked and then was in the Super Bowl the next year, the bills in 2019 were terrible in 2018. And a lot of people had them lower than the jets entering 2019. And then what, what did they start 29? They started like, like five and one or something crazy. And they went to the playoffs. Like a lot of times when it clicks, it clicks. And for a young team like this, when that momentum gets going and that confidence gets higher and they start buying in, they, they will start to believe that they can compete with anybody. And that's so huge because I love the message that Sala gave to them after this win. And I think that was absolutely a winning attitude where it's like, as much as I want to party, we haven't done shit. 
This is the expectation. And the Jets are starting to walk into games expecting to win. Different than last year, where it was like, if they went three out in that first drive, you're like, oh, fuck, this is going to be a blow. Like, you felt that pressure every single drive. Where it was like, oh, can they just get that first? Day? Like, you just felt like they they just didn't have the, the talent to be able to compete. But now it's like they do have the talent to compete. That's undeniable. The questions was, was with the coaching, was with uh, Zach Wilson taking the next step, and then actually seeing that talent on the field, staying healthy and executing. You're seeing those things happen. And so now that those things are happening, that momentum's getting going and that confidence is building up. Like I understand name of the podcast, cool your jets, but I'm just saying, I don't, I don't, it's too early to be like, we're going to the playoffs, but playoffs is not a pipe dream for this team. It is not a pipe dream. The jets have winnable games in the schedule and they have enough of them to get at least a seven seed. They, they expanded the playoffs a few years ago. There's seven teams that make it. The AFC is not the guy that we thought it would be. The second half of this Jets schedule after the bye is harder than we thought it would be, but this first half isn't as hard as we thought it would be. And it's one game at a time, and we're going to talk about the Packers, but look at me on the Packers. Like, the Broncos have been a shit show. The Patriots have not been that good. It's never easy beating Bill Belichick. I'm not going to just count that as a win. But the Bears, I just watched them blow this game on Thursday Night Football. Vikings have been pretty good this year, but the Lions have, have been a tough team, but they're, they haven't really put it together this year. The Jaguars haven't really put it together this year. Seahawks will be interesting. We'll see how, how Gino's looking in January, but they're not a team that's expected to go to the playoffs. They're having a better year than plenty expected, but there are winnable games on the schedule and they've already gotten three. And like you said, just even winning three at this point has bought them so much time entering the season. Our goal was we just want to be in the, in the hunt graphic in December. Well, the jets just by, by virtue of winning three games, barring that they just blow the next seven weeks. They're in the hunt, you know. They're like, in the playoff picture right now. <laughs> they are. What are they? The, they were the, the fifth seed or something. Yeah, what was it? What, They'd be playing Baltimore. You you gave me the scenario. What's the scenario that that uh, Jets fans should cheer for <laughs> this Sunday? No, I mean if the Jets win and the Chiefs beat Buffalo, and if Baltimore loses to the Giants, the Jets are the two seed going to <laughs> week weeks uh, seven. So I, I just think that uh, this win against the Dolphins, though, and now I'll segue this into the Packers game will make them believe that they can beat anybody. Despite yeah. the fact that you can poke holes in, in who, who they've beaten and how they've beaten them, but dropping a 40-burger on the Dolphins was legit. I don't care. If they had squeaked it out 19-17, to 17, maybe that's a different story. But something has clicked for this team. In the fourth quarter, you saw them alive. You saw that talent flash. And as I said, there will be dips. There will be lulls. You know, like I could see them winning a few games, all the momentum's high, and then they get blown out by the Bills, and they have that bye week to sit on it. And, like, there will be more downs. But I'm just saying, through five weeks, could you have asked for a better start to the season? I don't think you could have. And entering this Packers game, Michael, pound for pound, do you think this Packers team is that much more talented than the Jets? Obviously, they have an amazing quarterback, one of the best quarterbacks of all time, and and that's the great equalizer, and hell, probably more than an equalizer. But QB aside, which you can't really do, compare these rosters, man. We, we'll do it at the end of the podcast, but the Jets are not an untalented football team. You know? Like, they can definitely go into to Green Bay and beat this Packers team that just lost to the Giants that hasn't looked all that impressive this year. That's coming off a London game with no bye. I'm not – I understand, like, look, the Packers are going to be angry. Aaron Rodgers is going to be angry. They're at home. They're still going to be expected to win. But I'm just saying, I mean, look out for the Jets in this one. Uh, let's let's hop into to some of the nitty-gritty on, on, on this matchup. I think the thing that obviously stands out first and foremost is the relationship between these two coaching staffs. I mean, look, Matt LaFleur, Robert Sala, GAs together at Central Michigan. 
best friends, best man at each other's wedding. They talk pretty much every single day. Sala even said that, uh, you know, or sorry, Michael Floor even said that Matt LaFleur calls him every Monday and critiques his play calling. So Matt LaFleur has a very intimate knowledge of this Jets offense and this Jets team. But that goes both ways. Robert Sala and Michael Floor have a very intimate off, uh, knowledge of, of Matt LaFleur's offense and what he tries to do. And yes, Matt LaFleur is the big brother. Michael Floor is the, the little brother. But I think that, you know, like while Matt knows maybe more about Zach Wilson and, and what Mike has been trying to implement because, you know, the, the game that uh, Sala missed with COVID when, when Ron Middleton was coaching, like he apparently watched that with, with uh, LaFleur on FaceTime. It's like, yeah, you know, LaFleur's watching that and, you know, Sala's explaining what they were trying to do. And I imagine they're, they're a lot more open uh, with the Packers and what they're trying to do schematically than they are with other teams. Um, but it goes both ways. As I said, who do you think that, that, that relationship benefits? Do you think it's a wash or do you think that the Jets have the, the benefit of, of seeing what LaFleur's input on this offense would be and kind of, you know, knowing what his tricks are and what he tries to do? Or do you think LaFleur, the Packers have the benefit considering it was probably more of the Jets, Sala and, and his little brother reaching out to Matt to kind of get his input on this team and, and what they're doing wrong. You know what I mean? Like who, who gets the edge there? I, I mean, I kind of feel like it's a wash, but what pushes me towards the jets is the fact that, you know, LaFleur has been doing his thing over there for a few years now, whereas the jets are, you know, even though these guys have all worked together and, you know, Mike comes from the same background as his brother, Matt, it's, it's still a new iteration. I think, every team, every coach kind of puts their own spin on things. It's never a carbon copy of what they come from. So the Jets kind of have their own thing going on with Michael Floor, and it's, and it's newer and it's kind of taken shape. Even these past few weeks, it's kind of becoming something new compared to what we've seen last season and earlier this season. So I think that kind of might give the Jets a little bit of an edge considering you know, LaFleur and Rodgers They've kind of established who they are these past few years, whereas the Jets are still kind of coming into form. So maybe that favors the Jets a little bit. But I think both sides definitely get um, a little bit of a leg up. So it will, it will be interesting to see the tendency breakers from both of these teams. So maybe we see more so the most games that both offenses try to you know change up their tendencies more than they usually would, considering the – the huge amount of familiarity between these coaches. I'll tell you the thing that I am confident in this game. And I don't know if the Jets can win this game. I mean, obviously you never know entering the game, but I do know this. I think the Jets are going to come ready to play. You know, Michael floor and Robert Sala want to win this game badly. Michael floor wants it over his, his little brother and Sala. It's the first time he's gone up against his best friend. Who knows? Maybe it'll be the only time he goes up against him as head coaches. You never know. They don't, they don't they're not supposed to play for another four years. Maybe they'll get him in two years based off the whole like, schedule mismatch in the uh, uh, extra game or whatever, but you know, the jets want this game badly there. That confidence is riding high. And I think Salah's message to the team this week is look, you win this game, which first of all, you totally can. The Packers are not that much more talented than the jets. They have an amazing quarterback, but as I said earlier, these rosters are not night and day. In fact, you could maybe make the argument. The jets are more talented, but I think Salah's message to the team is look, you win this game and the rest of the league's paying attention to you. The rest of the league's going to wake up to what the New York Jets are. And if they can win this game, Michael, if they can get a legit win over Aaron Rodgers in this Packers team, and Aaron Rodgers has a thumb injury, we'll see how that affects him. If they can get a win over this Packers team, Michael, then I think that whole conversation we were having earlier about the expectations for the rest of the season and our playoffs, it certainly becomes on the table yes. if they can win this game. 
And so this is a massive one. And I think every week the message is going to keep changing for Saul and what he's trying to preach. And last week it was like, you know, they got to win the division game. We've got to show up at home. And this week it's going to be, look, this is a Super Bowl contender. As shitty as the Packers are playing, this is a Super Bowl contender. This is a top, this is a Hall of Fame quarterback. And if they rise to the occasion and they prove that they, they can hang with the Packers and hell, they, if they can beat the Packers, I'm, as much as the confidence from last week's going to radiate throughout the season, the confidence from this type yeah. of win will radiate for the rest of the season. Um, so let's hop into it. The Packers. Yeah, I mean, quickly, oh, quickly, I want to build on your point. I, I totally agree with that. I think if you can win this game, we're talking about three straight wins, three and zero with Zach Wilson, road comeback in Pittsburgh, blow out a division team at home, go on the road, beat a Hall of Fame quarterback and a Super Bowl contender. If they win this game, I think then it's time to seriously start thinking, all right, we're here. We can go compete for a wild card this year. Um, because I think at this point, it's probably still smarter to dial back a little bit. Appreciate yeah. the progress that, you know, they're, they're, they're accomplishing. We've, we've had we've had so many weeks in this podcast, Michael, where it's just been like talking about the draft at this point in the season. Like, yeah. I'm trying to revel in yeah. it, just in case the Jets turn into a pumpkin trying to revel in some competitive football here but I, I i'm not being disingenuous when i say that the jets you can make the argument of the more talented team here yeah no i i mean i think you know to this point it's still um you know appreciate the progress that's being made but still i think you're in wait and see mode a little bit still in yeah, terms of absolutely. are they actually there yet but absolutely this is definitely an opportunity to really prove that they are there and that potentially this is the type of turnaround that you're talking about. I mean, whether it's the Bengals last year or the Eagles going from seven wins, Carson Wentz rookie year, Super Bowl the next year, Rams absolute garbage and Goss rookie year to playoffs, perennial playoff team starting the year after that. Um, there are a lot of examples of teams who just went from a rebuilding, very bad team to immediately starting their era of success one year after that without that in-between year and we figure that this probably be that in-between year but maybe it's not and if it's not going to be that i think this is the game that you go and win so i guess to hop into it like you said it's a a game that roster wise outside of quarterback the jets i think do match up pretty well and I think to start with the Jets defense against the Packers offense I think that's where a lot of the uh, advantages for the Jets come into play I mean outside of again outside quarterback most important position out there um, (laughs) outside of the guy who controls the entire offense the guy who has the ball in every single every (laughs) single play and can negate everything else we're talking about um, this is uh, the Jets do have some talent advantages here and I think it starts at that receiver spot for the Packers yeah. against the Jets corners. I mean, this Packers receiving group is the reason this Packers offense is not playing up to its usual standards. I mean, right now they're putting up 19 points a game. That's 22nd in the league. They're only 20th in passing. And that is largely the product of a receiving group that is led in receiving yards by Randall Cobb right now, which I don't think the Packers kind of envisioned a couple of years ago coming into this year. So it's not the best receiving group, to say the least. It's honestly probably the least intimidating one in the league. Yeah, maybe the Bears are worse, but the Bears are definitely it, worse. It's, it's one it's one of the least intimidating. And that's not to say Aaron Rodgers oh. can't make anyone look good, but this Jets cornerback group, I mean, we've seen them hold up against Jamar Chase and T. Higgins, hold up against Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle. 
they could hold those guys to their lowest totals of the year, then they have a chance to truly dominate in this game when it comes to just providing tight coverage, um, prompting Aaron Rodgers to throw the ball away, not have options. Um, they have a chance to really dominate in this game and create good opportunities for this pass rush because I think this is a pretty solid Packers offensive line overall. So it it definitely they're not as exploitable as the Dolphins were, especially with their injuries. So I think the corners can really facilitate the pass rush in this game by buying time for that defensive front with truly dominant coverage. So I'm looking at the cornerbacks in this game for them to have their dominant game because they've had some excellent games where they held up against great competition, but now they're in a game where they're truly favored by quite a a large margin. So I think this is a chance for them to really dominate. It's hard for us to know exactly the amount of input that Salah has in this defense. I would imagine that given some of the struggles earlier in the season, that maybe he's had uh, taken on a larger role, but I can guarantee you this, this week he's having a huge hand in the game plan um, because he wants to beat Matt LaFleur and, and they, they've matched up three times. He's got him two to one. The first time they played each other, he held Matt LaFleur's offense only eight points. Then he beat him 37 to 20 um, later that year in the playoffs. And then last, the last time they played in, in 2020, uh, LaFleur did get the, the better of him 34 to 17, but I know that Saul is going to have uh, a lot of fingerprints on this game plan. Um, LaFleur kind of knows what Saul likes to do, but the thing we loved about Salah coming in that we hadn't seen too much until last week was that like that malleability that like, okay, let's look at our opponent. What's something that we can do to exploit it. Last week we saw the Jets come out in big nickel. Like they started to get creative on defense where it was like, it just felt like they were so vanilla week in and week out. And that doesn't mean that the Jets have to be running insane combo blitzes and get crazy with, uh, with uh, a bunch of different exotic coverages and match concepts or anything like that. Like they've simplified the back end, and that's seemingly uh, led to less miscommunication, but I liked that they came out with something different against the dolphins. Like they were, they were not, I don't even, I don't want to say experimenting, but just like, I don't know. It just seemed like they they were doing something different on defense. You know what I mean? They were trying to match their opponent. And in this one, because you talk about the receiver talent, and the lack of it in Green Bay. I do wonder how much man coverage the Jets will play. Because I feel like if they sip, it, it's, I think the Jets know what their bread and butter is, which is rush for, play coverage, see if you can get home. Saul always references it, and I think it's a good one to look at for this week. But that's how the Giants beat Tom Brady in both Super Bowls. They played coverage, and they just got home with four. So I think you'll see that from the Jets, obviously, quite a bit. But I do wonder, this Jets cornerback unit is elite. Man him up, send heat at Rodgers, put him under duress all day, and trust your corners to win. Do you agree with that strategy, or do you think the Jets will probably go with the more of what they their bread and butter is, which is rush the four, playing coverage, you know? And and look, that that still might work. I think I just the fear is that if you sit in those zones, that Rodgers is a guy who's just going to dissect you all day. No, I actually I do agree with that strategy. I think the last couple games were times to not blitz too much and just kind of sit back, you know, Trubisky and Bridgewater. And and I guess things change when Bridgewater went out, but those quarterbacks, it was better to just sit back, win with your pass rush against a not great offensive line and make these quarterbacks throw against more defenders and coverage. But, you know, your corners against these Packer receivers, I think you trust that they could hold up one-on-one and, you could send more heat at Rodgers and just ensure that you're going to create that pressure, especially against 
an offensive line that I think is a little bit better than the last two that they faced. So I think that's a good thing to do. Uh, the Packers teams are playing a lot of man coverage against them. They've faced the fourth highest percentage of man coverage this year at 37%. And that's been going up the past few weeks. It was 58% last week, 50% the week before that. So teams are challenging these receivers and they're not converting for Rodgers. I mean, for Aaron Rod- an Aaron Rodgers-led team to be 20th in passing is simply unheard of. For Aaron Rodgers to have a passer rating below 100 is unheard of. So these receivers are not coming through for him. Teams are challenging them. And I think the Jets have an opportunity to unload a little bit this week yeah. and blitz higher than they have been the past few weeks. Absolutely. I, I think that's that's the strategy. And I think I think you'll see the Jets employ that. They're not going to ever get too crazy with the blitzes, but you're going to see more of it. And you saw more blitzes last week. I mean, the first play of the game was a corner blitz from Sauce. So I think you're going to see them get a little bit more aggressive with their blitzes. They're still going to trust their four-man rushes, but they're going to throw a lot of they're going to throw those man coverage exotic blitzes. Uh, blitz looks at Rodgers every once in a while to keep him on their toes. And yeah, it's like I'm sorry, Romeo Dobbs, he I think he's going to end up being a good receiver, but it's like Romeo Dobbs, Alan Lazard, Randall Cobb, we'll see if Christian Watson plays like yeah, I'll take Sauce Gardner, DJ Reed and Michael Carter one 1v1 against them every time. And so, like, yeah, Rodgers is an amazing quarterback, and maybe he can put it in that perfect spot. But the way the Jets' corners are playing, put the game plan on their back, in my opinion, and 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 get after Rodgers and try to hit him. Um, I'm very curious to see what 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 they do end up doing um, against him. It, it'll be very interesting. On the other side of uh, of things, um, and maybe we'll, we'll come back to that matchup a little bit. We'll we'll go over some of the matchups and and some other things um, before we get to predictions and stuff. But when you look at the other side of things for the Jets offense is Packers defense and hasn't been all that good as well. And when you look at what the Jets try to do and what the Packers have struggled against, Packers are not a good run defense and they're one of the worst, if not the worst defense against play action. So I think the Jets offense matches up well against them. So how do you feel about uh, the flip side of things, how, how Zach and, and, and what LaFleur are going to try to do against uh, uh, big brother LaFleur? Well, the Packers defense is interesting because I think that's supposed to be a big part of why this team is a contender. I mean, obviously it all starts with Aaron Rodgers and Matt LaFleur, but this was an elite defense last year as well. I mean, the defensive production has been great for them. You look back to last year, only gave up 21 points a game. They forced a lot of turnovers. So uh, this is a defense that's supposed to be great as well. But right now they are 11th in scoring defense at 19 points a game. But you look at the past few games they played against not great quarterbacks and they haven't been as good as expected. They had to go to overtime against Bailey Zappi, you know, Daniel Jones, neutral field, gave up 27 points to him. Didn't force any turnovers. Um, That's a big problem for them this year. They're not getting the turnovers. They usually get only four takeaways this season, even though they've played Justin Fields, Bailey Zappi and Daniel Jones. So it's not been they haven't been terrible for sure, but considering the competition, I think more has been expected of them um, and kind of breaking down their strengths and weaknesses. I think one aspect that has been as advertised is the pass rush. Kenny Carr could D tackle. And then the two edges Rashawn Gary and Preston Smith. That's a great pass rush trio. One of the best in the league. Yeah. They've been great. Um, they're a big reason that the Packers are sixth right now in sack rate. So those guys are getting after it, and it's going to be a big challenge for this O-line. Um, I think bigger than the last 
two teams they played, last three. Yeah. Um, probably the toughest they've played since Cleveland. So, um, and granted, in that game, it was a different offensive line combo, but they, they were up to the challenge pretty yeah. decently relative to the competition. So we'll see if they can do that uh, again. I think this is a little bit different challenge. This is more of a 3-4 defense. So different kind of scheme than Cleveland played. Um, we'll see what they can do, though. Um, but I think that's where it all starts. Then you'll get to the secondary. It's a unit that on paper should be really good. You know, Jair Alexander and Eric Stokes on the outside. Razul Douglas in the slot. Then it's safety of Adrian Amos, Darnell Savage. A lot of big names there. And right now the production hasn't been there. They've given up the eighth highest passer rating in the league this season at 100.3. And then they've specifically been really bad against play action. Uh, second highest play action passer rating allowed in the league, which I think is more of a testament uh, on the linebackers. Um, Devondre Campbell was an all pro last year, but this year production has dipped a little bit. And you can look on the Giants film last week. There's some examples of him being caught out of position. So play action, I think, is the way you could get this defense in coverage. So um, very interesting Packers defense because on paper, this is a team you look at that is talent from front to back. And they've been great in the past. And they've been solid this year, but I don't think they've played an offense other than obviously the Bucks. Uh, the past few weeks, they have not played an offense as talented as this Jets offense. And they weren't, this Packers team wasn't quite as dominant against a few teams as I think you would hope for them to be. So if Daniel Jones and the Giants could put up 338 yards with no turnovers and 27 points, I'm curious to see what the Jets can do against them this week. And look, there is a lot of credence into the fact that they, yeah, they're angry, but also maybe their confidence is shot. A little bit you know they're coming out of the, they're coming back out of london and you know i was reading an article where Razul douglas was talking about it and speaking of Razul douglas i'm very excited to watch that matchup against uh garrett wilson against Razul douglas i think garrett's gonna win that uh that one i think this could be the time i don't think that this is gonna be like the zach wilson breakout game um by any stretch i think you're gonna see kind of a similar game manager quarter and also by the way game manager it's like he was a yard away on two different pass attempts from a touchdown like how much different does his stat line look if, if Breeze hall gets those two touchdowns then it's like two passing touchdowns in a rush like, like oh he's explosive he's carrying yeah. the team <laughs> yeah anyway but um but I, I love that matchup i think you're gonna see zach and garrett get on the, on the same page uh this game because like you said they have struggled against play action the linebackers have struggled uh that over the middle stuff that's zach wilson's bread and butter as good as he is uh hitting uh, those out routes and stuff over the middle stuff is, is what this offense wants to do. We'll see how the floor handles it. He might try to flush him outside, but I love Garrett versus Douglas there. But anyways, I was reading an article and he was talking about how much London sucked and, and it's like, yeah, this team is a bit jet lagged. They don't get the usual buy. Um, and they lost. Is and, there a precedent for that? Do you well, know the, the Viking, the Vikings didn't have a buy last week after playing. So, and they won. So, but they struggled with against the bears and the bears just, had one of the worst games i've ever seen <laughs> um and they barely lost that game okay go on now but um <laughs> but uh the uh yeah i just I, look every time i see the, the packers it's it's like a bad vibe there it's like a dark cloud of aaron Rodgers screaming at his at his, his fellow players and it just sounds like a dick every time you get they catch him on a hot mic and then the defense has not lived up to expectations outside of the pass rush and i don't know and and then as we said like 
Brees Hall has come, has gotten better every single week and he's coming off a dominant game. And so, you know what this Jets offense is going to try to do. And they're going to try to pound the rock with Brees Hall. How do you feel like uh, this Jets offense matches up with the Packers defense in the run game, especially? Cause I think that's where they could really take control of this game. Keep Aaron Rodgers on the sideline, pound that rock, run the clock, just break the Packers will. And then when the Packers come up to stop the run, then you got those play action opportunities with Zach Wilson. Yeah, the run defense hasn't been great this year. Um, in terms of yards per play, looking at the big four phases, you know, passing offense and defense, rushing offense and defense, um, between those four, their rush defense is the worst right now. In terms of yards per play, they're giving up 4.8 yards per carry. That is 22nd in the league. Um, last year, uh, or last week, Barkley and the Giants, plenty of success on the ground. Then the week before that, really the reason the Patriots were able to go to overtime in that game is because they rushed for 167 yards. Um, so they're very successful on the ground in that game. So they've had some rough games on the ground. Even the bears back in week two, were able to put 180 on them. So, uh, and that's with the bears trailing for most of that game. So they, they're giving up some rushing yards this year for sure. Uh, I think the jets are definitely going to try to build on what they did last week, especially with the camaraderie that, O-line really seemed to have that first time that five-man unit was together. I think they're going to try to build on that early uh, and see if they could exploit this Packers run defense that hasn't been too great. Absolutely. But one of the things that I really loved that LaFleur did and uh, last week against uh, the uh, the Dolphins, and I'm trying to remember which game we said this about, but it might have been week one. And we we're like, all right, you know you want to run the football. And too many times in the NFL, it's like, all right, we got to pound the rock and that'll open up the pass. But a lot of times – you can pass the ball to open up the run. And you saw the Jets do that. Like early on in the game on first down, the Jets kept passing the ball because the Dolphins linebackers were on their toes. They were anticipating run. And then the Jets started to throw. The Dolphins started to relax a little bit. And then the Jets started pounding the rock. And I think you could kind of see a similar approach. Get Zach Wilson in a rhythm early. Those quick passes that, that were, I mean, I love that concept. They had to open up the game with that RPO to Garrett Wilson, but you know, like a PA boot, one of those little dump offs, just get him in a rhythm early and then pound that, that rock with breeze teams are going off of what they saw from Zach last year, which was play man coverage. And, and, and he, you know, it won't work too out, out too well for him, but I got some news for you, Michael, this jets team, they have the weapons to beat man coverage. Finally, they have receivers who can separate. They have offensive linemen who can hold up in protection. And so, yes, Zach Wilson has been great from a clean pocket. And then if you listen to all the analytics through two games, he hasn't been as good from a, from a messy pocket. I think part of that is you've seen him, get more comfortable with the throwaways or taking a sack. Um, but I still think that the Packers are going to come out. They're going to try to blitz him. They're going to try to put him under, uh, under pressure. They're going to try to trust their corners and play man coverage because they're going to try to key in on the runs. And that's going to open up some opportunities for Zach. So while I don't know if I want to go as far as to say, this is the game, this is the big breakout for Zach. It very well could be, you know, going up against his childhood hero. Apparently if you listen to him, like Aaron Rodgers, the guy he looks up to. So uh you know, I don't know. I, this could be the the Zach game, but from what I'm from looking at this matchup, what makes sense to me is get him in a rhythm early. Very similar game plan to, game plan to last week, and try to win this game on the backs of, of Brees Hall. And if the Packers start keying in on that run game, that's when you can attack him with play action. But what I love that Lafleur did to open up the run game on Sunday, all of that pre snap motion. They tried to beat the defense horizontally before they attacked them vertically. And it froze uh, the Dolphins. It freezes man coverage. And if the Packers come out in that same look, they're going to get frozen too. So 
how do you see uh, the Packers trying to, to tax act? Do you agree with that? Do you think they're going to go with that man coverage look, try to blitz the hell out of him, key in on Brees? Or do you think they'll try to go with something else? I mean, LaFleur has that that extra knowledge of what Mike LaFleur tries to do and what Zach is good at. You know, you think he tries to bait him. Um, just what do you, what do you see uh, Joe Barry and company uh, doing to attack Zach Wilson? Well, I think right now it's interesting because, like you mentioned earlier, last – uh, first two games, Zach has been out there. Teams have been blitzing him a lot more so the, uh, than they were against Joe Flacco. You know, 50% man coverage the last two weeks. So they're challenging him. And like Robbie Sabo pointed out in his film breakdown, uh, early in the game against Miami, you know, they're pressing on the outside, single high, loading the box. They were, you know, not respecting Zach Wilson. They were challenging him to beat them. And then before helped him out, found a way to open up Brees Hall in that wheel route, and then Jets complete that. Then they backed off the Dolphins, lightened up the box a little bit. Then they started having much more rushing success from that point on after a rough start running the ball. Um, so we could see the Packers continue to try to do what the last two teams have done, which is you know start off challenging Zach Wilson to beat you and then go from there and see how things go. Um, but you know maybe they do try to commit more to the run game. Maybe they do respect Zach Wilson a little bit more uh, than the past few, few, than the past couple teams did in his first two starts back. So we'll see if they do, but um, I think there's also a chance they look at some of, of the splits that Zach Wilson has so far, you know, clean pocket versus pressured, which um, I think some of those splits might be a little exaggerated because I think he has made some really good pressure throws, especially yeah. in the Pittsburgh game. Um but maybe they'll look at that and they think we just have to pressure this guy no matter what. And they just blitz away and force him to beat that. So maybe they come out with that. Um, but I think we'll see a similar game plan to the last two teams. It seems like opponent opponents are still willing to challenge Zach Wilson to commit to stopping the run game and play man coverage until the Jets prove they can beat it and then adjusting from there. So we'll see if that happens again. Yeah, I, I am really fascinated to see uh, because these coaching staffs are so intertwined, you know that this game is going to be won schematically. I mean, and, and I'm just curious to see what wrinkles the Jets will throw in and the Packers will throw in their own wrinkles. But I think, like you said, the Jets have a bit of an advantage because, you know, we've seen LaFleur and Rodgers in, the, in this Packers offense. Granted, it looks a little different, but we've seen it for a few years now. And like Wilson, we've gotten two games this year. We haven't really seen he hasn't established that connection with Garrett yet. This is a kind of a new offensive line. The second game they will be playing together. I mean, Brees Hall just had his breakout. Like we haven't really seen these guys up. We've had one game and one quarter against Pittsburgh where these guys are kind of clicking. And I don't know if that's enough to really key in on what the jets are good and what, what they're bad at yet. They're still kind of operating off of last year's MO of, of yeah. Get after and play man coverage, at least through the first two weeks. And that's sorry. That wasn't working against Zach. Like, especially uh, especially in the fourth quarter against Pittsburgh and then last week. So um, I'm very excited for Sunday. I have a good feeling. I don't want to jinx it. Um, well, okay, before we get to predictions, we were going to do – do, we we've done this the last few weeks. So why not continue the trend where the Jets are better? It was a little easier with DJ last week because he could argue kind of the, the devil's advocate or he could argue the Dolphins side. We don't have somebody arguing for the Packers – guarantee there's no Packers fans listening to this podcast at this point. So Michael, we can just pick the jets for all these, but quarterback, pretty easy one jets. No, I'm just kidding. All right. Packers get the quarterback. <laughs> um, 
excuse me, the running back position from the pack. We didn't really talk about the Packers run game. Do you think there's any chance that the, the Packers look at this Jets run defense and go, look, Aaron Rodgers, yeah, maybe the best. Well, I don't know. Well, I was going to say maybe the best quarterback of all time. He's certainly up there. Don't know if he has the uh, championships, maybe. Do you count championships as a QB stat or no? You think that should be uh, thrown out the window? I think I lean away from it more than most people. Uh, yeah, I kind of lean away from it more than most people. I think Rodgers has a case for best if you're just looking at pure talent. Right. Either way. I think, I think you can, despite the fact that they have one of the best quarterbacks of all time in Aaron Rodgers, I think Matt LaFleur is going to look at this Jets defense and this Robert Sala defense and say, look, look at what Mike McDaniel was doing for a little bit in that game to get after this Jets defense and attack them on the ground. And the Packers, yeah, they have struggles at receiver, but they have a damn good running back group between Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon. I, uh, it's, hard to, it's hard to give the Jets the edge on this one, although I do kind of feel like I'd rather have the Jets running back room. But it's way too early to say that and probably super biased to me. But you know the potentials there with Brees Hall and Michael Carter is so shifty as well. And that I think, I don't know. Uh, we'll give the Packers this one, but how do you see, yeah. uh, how do you see the running backs uh, affecting? Uh, like how much, uh, when you look at Matt LaFleur's game plan to attack Sala, do you think is, there's a chance it might be very uh, run oriented, maybe more so than we were predicting? Yeah. I mean, the run game has been pretty effective for them. They're averaging five yards carry. That's 10th best right now. Uh, Aaron Jones has been, really good in particular he's at 6.4 so it's a good run game and I think you know the Jets the Jets run defense is so interesting this year because they've had a couple of really good games you know they hold the Ravens down maybe the best running team in the league or at least up there hold them down to what's still a season low I mean I'm looking at the Ravens rushing numbers right now and that Jets performance just continues to look better and better 63 yards in that game Here's what the Ravens did the next four games, rushing the ball. 155, 188, 162, 155. Jesus. So it's the Jets. And, and, that. and that's that's the game they 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 put a lot on the corners, you know? Like yeah. that's that's another yeah. thing in the direction of the Jets to play man coverage and the Jets should stack the box. And yeah, play another run. team that, you know, runs the ball, doesn't have the best receiver talent. Uh, the Jets relied on their man coverage in that game um, a little bit more than they do in some of the other games so yeah i mean that could be part of the game plan but um so the jets run defense is interesting you have that game you have the Bengals game where they shut down joe mixon the Steelers game was was decent uh then you have the browns game where they got run all over and then the dolphins game um i, I would say it was more bad than good just in the sense that it was the only thing the dolphins had going for them um both of those touchdown drives were powered by the run game but the Jets also did settle in after that. Um, but overall, the Jets are fifth right now, or fifth best in terms of fewest yards per rush attempt allowed at four, 4.0. So it's been a pretty good run defense overall, considering everything. Uh, but the Packers are running the ball pretty well. You know, they want to create favorable situations considering the receiving struggles they're having. So I could see the, the Packers kind of taking a page out of the Dolphins book last week and trying to pressure the Jets on the ground before they challenge the Jets corners. I think I just, I think that is the strategy for the Jets is really to, to put this game on the backs of the corners, play yeah. that man coverage, blitz stack Rogers, the box, stack blitz, the box and play the run and because it's like, 
let your corner trio win against these receivers. Yeah, I, th- I think that is what you will see from the Jets. They'll they'll mix in what they always do. But I will say I was while McDaniel um, did get the better of of Saul and Ulbrich for a little bit in that game on the run uh, on the running side of things. I love the mid game adjustments they were able to make, and that's why I think that that Dolphins game is the best coaching performance we've seen from this staff. Is just the I love the game plan coming into the game and just their adjustments they were able to make. Um, and they were able to shut down that running attack. And then the, the Dolphins couldn't run anymore because there was a moment in that game where it was like, oh, geez. I think it was like, there's a stretcher. It was like, I think most had like a 12-yard run, a 15-yard run, a 13-yard Like he had like four 10-plus yard runs in a row. Um, and it was just like, oh, geez. Like this Jets defense doesn't have any teeth. And then they made some adjustments um, and they were able to shut down Mostert. So uh, I, I think that is the strategy for the Jets. Receiver, this one's pretty obviously Jets. Um, not much explaining needs to be done. Tight end's kind of a close one. I might give this ah, Mercedes Lewis and Robert Tanyan. I might go to the Packers on this one. I just Tanyan f- hasn't really done anything this year, and he kind of has a chance to take over the receivers, and he hasn't really done it. I think yeah. Conklin is better than him. For, yeah, I think I'm just, just hesitating to. We haven't seen the, the tight end breakouts yet, so it's hard for me to be like all aboard. The Jets I don't really tight ends know are about better, their blocking, but... though, to be honest. Yeah. You know what? Let's just put, this as, let's put this as a wash. Yeah. But yeah, I kind of want to say Packers, but you can make an argument for the Jets as well. Offensive line. I think we, we had split this up between tackle and interior offensive line. Do you want to do that, or would you rather just do a whole, whole offensive uh, line? Let's just do the whole offensive line. All right. Like, I heard a yawn. It is midnight. So, we yeah. That <laughs> probably we'll came through. <laughs> All right. We'll, we'll speed it up then. Um, defensive line or offensive line, Jets, Packers. I mean, the way the Jets offensive line played last week, you got to give it to the Jets, right? I think it's too early to. I mean, the uh, Packers offensive line isn't. Do the Packers have a generational all pro on their line? They do Bakhtiari. Um, okay, that's true. <laughs> their left guard and their center, Ronnie and Myers, have been pretty good this year. Right side, Royce Newman and Elton Jenkins has been shaky this year, but um, I kind of like their left tackle as center. All right. I think it's fair to give it to the Packers. Here. All right. Defensive line is a really good one as well. Because the Packers overall this season have probably played outplayed the Jets on defensive line. Like, but on paper and the way they played the last two weeks, especially this on Sunday, like I would give this one to the Jets. I don't think there's a defensive lineman playing better football than Quentin Williams right now. I think Carl Lawson is starting to reach the, the player that we thought he was. We know how deep the rest of this, that unit is. I would go Jets with the defensive line. What, what say you, Michael? Yeah. I think I would. I think I'd give them a small advantage. I think it's the depth that puts it over the top because I think both of them have a very strong big three. Packers have Clark, Gary, and Smith. Jets have JFM, Lawson, and Quinnen. But Packers beyond those three don't have much, and that's why their pass rush isn't elite right now despite having, I think, a very, very good big three. Whereas the Jets right now, they, are, they do the fourth most QB hits in the league of any team. Uh, their pressure rate is up there, the fourth best pressure rate. So I think the depth of the Jets gives them the edge. All right, let's go linebackers. Quan Alexander kind of bought out, and the Packers linebackers I'm are struggling. To the Jets. I'm going with the Jets as well. 
that might be the yeah, first time Packers play action defense struggles that comes down to linebackers. I think and that's the, the way Quan's playing. Yeah, he's on fire. That's the first time we've given uh, the linebackers to the Jets, though. But I think I think Quan's performance this Sunday is really what's what's driving that. And they get Quincy yeah. Williams back this this week. Your favorite player, cornerback, <laughs> Jets. You have to give the Jets this one. I mean, on paper, before the season, you probably would have said Packers, but the way these units are playing. The Jets, it has to be the Jets. Like, yeah, how can you deny the Jets right now? You just can't. Safeties. Uh, I mean, let's give it Packers. Was that just based on? Was that just an arbitrary? Let's just keep things symmetrical, or? No, I mean, I just think you know Amos Savage or guys who've been South starters for yeah. a while. Yeah, you're probably right. I'm. It's probably fair. I think I think Whitehead's getting going though. These look pretty good these last two weeks. Um, all right. Well, as it stands, well, do we do special teams? I don't know if we've done that. Let's just do specials as a whole. Jets. All right. The Jets win. Um, yeah. <laughs> no, we gave, uh, well, more specials. We gave the Jets receiver, defensive line, linebacker, corner. Packers got quarterback, running back, offensive line, safety. And we they gave him a wash at tight end. That seems pretty fair. So I would say the overall fair. score four to four, but quarterback's the most important position. So that would give the Packers the edge, I would say. But overall, I mean, yeah, I mean, look, entering the season, nobody looked at this game as a win on the schedule. Going to Lambeau, playing Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay. So if the Jets win this one, it'd be a pretty big upset, I would say. But when you look at the situation, when you look at how these two teams match up, when you look at the momentum that both these teams are heading in, it wouldn't surprise me yet again, like I said last week, if the Jets do this. However, like I said last week, a little caveat, it's hard for me to predict a win here until we see it. If they get this win, Michael, I won't be able to say that anymore. But beating a Hall of Fame quarterback on the road in Lambeau, they have yet to beat you know the two good team playoff teams that they played, the, the Ravens and Bengals, they haven't really showed up for. You could argue the Dolphins are a playoff team, but not the version that the Jets played. So it's, it's hard to, to predict the Jets win here. But I'll just say I have a good feeling about Sunday, man. I really do have a good feeling about Sunday. And because of that, I'm going to predict a Jets win. Am I crazy? Am I crazy, Michael, for predicting a Jets win? We'll get into no, the scores and the no. random predictions. But and I just look at how these teams match up. When I look at how close these, these coaching staffs are and the intimate knowledge that the Jets have on what Matt LaFleur wants to do. And, yes, that works both ways. But, like you said, I think it gives the Jets a bit of an advantage because they're the new team. They're the young team with all these new players, and we haven't really seen them all click yet together. They're riding this high. And the message to the locker room is, look, you win this game, you could beat anybody. And the entire NFL is going to be looking, to, looking at this team and paying attention to them. And the opportunity to start the season four and two is real. So I'll give the Jets a win here. I think it's going to be a close game, though. And the, the only uh, – yeah, I'm going to give the Jets a win. I was going to say the only thing with a close game is when it's a close game and Aaron Rodgers on the other side, I mean, it doesn't end up – normally working out too well but i do think the jets will get this one done in the fourth what about you michael i'll, I'll think about my score for a second I'll, I'll really try to try to get an accurate one after i predicted 49 to nothing jets last week which wasn't too go, far off by the way it was not as far off as, as people expected um i'm gonna go packers 31 jets 27 i've got a fourth straight week now predicting a jets loss so it's kind of been working that's true um, I could, I think, not I think that I'm doing it for that reason. No, I know. 
I think that 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 you're not doing the Daniel Jeremiah predicting him to lose 24 17. Yeah, <laughs> I think uh, I I definitely think it's going to be that type of game. It's going to be a close game, and in close games, it's hard to bet against Aaron Rodgers. But I do think that the Jets are going to come out ready to play. And I think that it'll be one of those things where the Jets get out to an early lead. Maybe the Packers claw back, and then the Jets are going to have to kind of put this away in the fourth. They're a fourth quarter team, baby, and I'm not betting against them in the fourth yet. So I'll say, you know what, Michael, I'll I'll take your score and I'll flip it. 31-27 Jets. How you like them apples? Okay. All right. Uh, one random prediction though. We gave our score or a few random predictions. I think we've hidden a few of them. I, I should start writing them down so we can keep track. Last week, I don't know if it was DJ. I think it was DJ called the Sauce Gardener first interception. I'm trying to think of some of the other ones we've had. You called uh you called the what'd you say a joiner interception against the Steelers. So we've hit on, on a prediction the last two weeks here. Let's see if we can make it three in a row. What's our random prediction for this game? I'm going to go Bryce Huff first sack. I'm going to go Zach Wilson to Garrett Wilson touchdown. I'm going to say Garrett gets his first Zach touchdown. Okay. I like that. Um, I think that's that's probably we'll, – we'll leave it there. I'm going to throw one more. All right. Go ahead. Multiple Brees Hall touchdowns. Multiple Brees Hall. T- well, you know, they were, they were kind of, I know the Brees Hall fantasy owners were mad because he should have had 200 yards and three touchdowns, but they kept giving his touchdowns to Carter. So we'll see. Um, right now, are these, I, I are, guess that was frustrating, but it makes sense because those are both long plays. He probably right. needed rest. Well, and, so. well, and the second one uh, was great too, because they, they sent Hall out in a little swing pass and it, and it got the Dolphins attention because they're thinking this guy's been killing us all game. They keyed in on Hall and then they just were able to give, uh, Carter the, the run right up the middle yeah. um yeah okay you gave a second one let me think of a second one also t- feel free to tweet us your random predictions by the way this is not just a, a michael and i thing um random prediction let me th- i'm trying to think of a really really good one here i did an offensive one i'm trying to think of a good defensive one i'll say you want a good one michael sure sauce gardner game ceiling interception Okay. I like that. I, right. I, I have that vision in my head. I had that thought a few days ago. I think it'll come down to it, and Sauce will steal the game for the Jets. We'll see. These these predictions are absolutely meaningless. It's just for fun. But Uniform I, prediction? We know <laughs> nope. it's white jerseys. What pants are we wearing? They're going to go with the black again. They're going to ride the – Yeah. Although at some point I hope they, they don't because it's like, all right, well, you don't want to – ooh, we need our lucky pants to win. It's like, all right, like let's just – you know, it made sense last week, but – I don't know. They'll go white on black again, and then uh, maybe hopefully for the Broncos game, maybe they. I don't know. It's a good look. It'll look better when the when it's not as sunny though. Like it would look good at home if it was like a little overcast. It looked better when the shade came out. I don't know. We're on to the uniform part of the podcast. That's that's my cue to 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 wrap it up. All right, to the ten of you still listening who haven't closed it out yet. Hey, Michael. I don't mean to say anything. The listens have been uh, gone up quite a bit. I mean, now that the Jets are kind of competitive, and the people listening to this podcast aren't just listening to a random like evaluation and, and draft talk in October, quite a few listens. So, uh, so thank you to everybody who's tuning in. I think I think we do have quite a few people still listening, Michael. Um, but it was a big mega podcast. We had to make up for Monday. Uh, I may be talking by like Batman uh, by the end of this though, because my, my voice is already a little hoarse. But it is great to be able to finally give my Jets thoughts again. Although I do, I do miss the Batman voice. I think it was certainly a much uh, deeper voice than my current one and uh, my current one, my actual voice. And uh, I don't think it added a, a nice little, uh, I don't know. I think it was, it was a, it was a good podcast voice to listen to. Maybe not for, for full time, but a little, in little spurts, I like the Batman voice. So, you can channel it, right? 
what? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I don't know. No, it sounds a lot better when uh, my uh, when I literally can't talk. It's authentic. Yeah, and when it's authentic. Well, if you give me a good line to say, what's a? What, I don't know. Like do a, a do a play call like a do a like a Bob was choosing call from the Dolphins game. Do the Lawson uh, strip sack. I, I've already had we've, we've already had to edit it out, but my my the person who lives next to me has banged on the wall like three different times <laughs> during this podcast because it's midnight and I'm talking about uh Brees Hall and and Michael Carter and it's and Will the, Parks and Will Parks. <laughs> so if I give a a Batman Bob with Susan call at the top of my lungs right now. I don't know if we can. How about this? Jets beat the Packers, Michael. I'll take a call from that game. I'll do it as Batman. We'll post it on the podcast. It'll be horrible. It'll be embarrassing, but it'll be okay. totally worth it. Follow us at CYJ Pod on Twitter. Follow Michael at Michael underscore Nania. Myself, Ben W. Blessington. Go to jetsxfactor.com. Best place for Jets content. Uh, please, if you're able to, rate, review, subscribe on iTunes. That always helps out the pod. Uh, subscribe to the Jets X Factor YouTube. I think that's it. Well, you were, you were trying to plug the Facebook last time and the email and was it was it called our from? MySpace? Our MySpace. Yeah, I liked your little riffs though. <laughs> nice little. I liked seeing you in the host chair. It was interesting. A little change of pace. I'd like to see you host it and then me be an actual analyst this time. Maybe we, maybe we switch up the roles. All right. Let's hope the Jets pull this one out on Sunday. Everybody enjoy your weekend. Go Jets. <laughs>